So they don't show the monster. That's the goriest it gets. She's like, this is the weirdest scary movie I've ever watched. I was like, well, are you scared? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, I'm kind of freaked out. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like- <laughs> So somehow for us, that led to you dressing like a, in a dress, wearing my crow wig. <laughs> I was wearing your crow wig in my mom's dress. I refuse to celebrate the Empire. I'm not going to wear a stormtrooper yeah. anything, Kylo Ren anything, the bad guys. <laughs> I don't wear Nazi shit. <laughs> Kids walking to school, peeping in on girls' windows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting their asses kicked, standing up to bullies. Like, all well, that was the, happening. They get this alien technology, and the first thing they do is commit a felony. Like, to episode 58 of Long Walk Short Drink. I am Palmer uh podcasting cuz we're not we're not doing this live for everybody. Podcasting uh from Dayton, Ohio. And this is Dave podcasting from Northfield, Minnesota. And we are recording this on Thursday, November the 1st, 2018 when you hear this. This is when it was recorded. Um Day we of both the dead, had right? Yeah. Is it the Dia de los Muertos? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. I, I should have gone in the Crow City of Angels. <laughs> hung, out, hung out in the <laughs> graveyard. Uh, we both had a Halloween plan, so we didn't do our normal live broadcast. But what we did get for that, you want to talk about that a little bit on this episode to kind of redirect in case anybody hasn't seen it? Um. Yeah. Sure. The last episode, episode fifty-seven, uh, is uh, is dedicated to James O'Barr's The Crow, both the comic book and then my nineteen nineties home video adaptation thereof. <laughs> so we, uh, it's a clip show that I also host in between and set up the times, set up the clips where we do talk about, have talked about that in the podcast. I think it was three, three times, and then, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, the first time we talk about it is in the first like three minutes of the first episode oh wow <laughs> yeah and then in the first within i, I think it was first three but definitely within the, the story first, of us yeah and the first 10 we talk about the crow we talk about the cabin um i so i re-listened to the episodes i knew we talked about it on and it's 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 interesting how much uh how much the DNA of the show was like set in stone or not necessarily set in stone, but it fell together very quickly. So um, yeah, that was fun. And then I put in the middle of it, this um, featurette that's probably the best shortest. That's like a half an hour. That's a long story. I set it all up in 57, but so (laughs) that was, uh, that was one I put together on my own. I, that was a, it was a mad dash to make that happen. So I'm still a bit punchy from it, (laughs) but it was a very satisfying thing to get to do. So if you Uh, haven't, but so the point is if you haven't listened or watched that, because it is uh, better viewed on YouTube, 
because it has a lot of video components along with that. If you haven't had a chance to see that, head on over to our YouTube page and um, give it a watch. Uh, While you're there, if you haven't already, subscribe and ding the bell because we're still working towards our 100 subscribers. We were stuck at 63 for the longest time, I feel like months, right? (laughs) And then uh, I was at a Halloween party this past Saturday and I was like, I mentioned the podcast as one does. All uh, right. Trying to like work that into conversations. Yeah. And uh, this guy that I was talking to was like, oh, what's your podcast? And I told him, I was like, actually, you should just go to YouTube right now and subscribe because <laughs> we need the subscribers. Phone. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not grab his phone. I have reserved myself that much. I am not at that point yet. Uh, when we get in the 90s, we'll probably... Oh, yeah, that. when it's close, I'm going to be creating accounts just to subscribe. <laughs> like, oh, that's cheating. I would not do that at all. I definitely have I not would. done that. <clears throat> no, I have not done that either. No, I, I, have. think all, I haven't created any, but I've used them all. <laughs> yeah, our, all of our accounts are subscribed. I know that, like, because yeah. we have multiple accounts. It's shocking uh, to me how many I had. Yeah. But um, anyways, so, but he was like, he's like, oh, you have a really good voice for podcasting. Like, he's you like, I, I, I like, uh, I like to listen to people talking and you have a good voice for that. So I'll definitely check it out. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. That's uh, great. so, so yeah, um, Ash and I went here, I'll text you a picture of it and I can tweet it out when this, like uh, that. oh, do you have a, do you have a beverage nearby? Oh yeah, some, we can, we can crack that. Hang on my, one second. Um, my, my voice is bugging me. <clears throat> um, what do I want to drink? Oh, you got a cooler. That's awesome. I yeah. actually got a bowl, uh, for the first time in a long time, bowl of ice. I usually well if it's just award winners I don't care if those get warm but some of the like crafty beers like they just taste gross warm so I don't know how long we're gonna be here be here so I'm gonna go with Boom Sauce. Oh, let me I, see that magic. I have um <laughs> great name. I have my palate has refined, and uh, I just woke up one day and was craving IPAs. Oh, have I said that already. Yeah. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's I I I'm a big fan. Let me finish that one so that we can nice. I can open this one with you. Yeah. I have. Uh, what do you got? One that I had not tried before. It's a Duluth beer, and I got it in a restaurant, and I'm Ooh. hooked. And I was this is the first time I found it to bring home, and thankfully, um, they they came they have a four pack of. 12 ounce which is kind of oh. a magic thing for me uh yeah that's be- because that's been my my it's been a very successful strategy to to limit what's around um <laughs> uh, so anyway uh i have C- bent paddle brewing companies uh cold press black it's like a coffee ale oh and, very uh, nice yeah it was real. i mean the one in the it's one of those they'll do a nitro uh type thing so it's got that creamy finish nice this will have that but it was so damn tasty it might have a widget in it you never know maybe let's not shake it dave so. yeah don't don't shake <laughs> all right let's this do one this. is a this one is a new england oh, yeah, style sorry. ipa unfiltered new it, england it just, style ipa yeah it's just really good uh it's just got a great taste to it on three right. and three um oh, yeah it's still creamy. 
Oh, look, you did get a, you got a good head on there. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Um, let me, let me, I'm going to send you, I'll, I'll tweet this out at some point, but, uh, let me find it here, Dave. Oh yeah. That's nice. Good deal. Um, this is Ash and I at this Halloween party. We went as, um, we went as Mr. and Mrs. Claus coming off vacation because it's like the, <laughs> it's like the start of the holidays, you know, like, yeah. Halloween's kind of the start of the holidays. So I had like, I bought an elf in the shelf or elf on the shelf. And like he was in my breast pocket and I had like zip tied two mini bottles of booze in his hands and like <laughs> named him Sprinkles. Oh, and, this is this is amazing. Well, you should share. Your, oh, you don't have it on your computer. I got no. it on my computer. So let's see. I'll share my screen because it'd be good for folks to see this. All right, I don't, so let's make this happen. But I got old man socks on and like and like loafer shoes, and uh, we both grayed out our hair. And Ash is like, looks like an old lady. She got her hair up in a bun, and I added more gray to my beard. And uh, I have like sunscreen on my nose and like an old man vacation hat. And my <laughs> shirt, my t-shirt says like. Jolly ass, fa la 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 la. la. Like, uh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just saw the fa first. Uh, that's great. So, uh, what's that's her shirt your, say? Uh, uh, Mrs. It just says Mrs. on it. Oh, so, like cool. Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Uh, we those were some of our Disney shirts that we took to when, when we went to Disney. I have one that says Mister, and it's got like uh, mouse ears. Oh, yeah, on the I remember R seeing that. or something like that. So. Um, but yeah, that's a good look for the two of you. You're going to age nicely. I think Oh, geez. <laughs> this is yeah. how it ends up. Right. <laughs> like uh, it. so, but that was our, uh, that was our Halloween costume. Uh, cool. it, it like came together on like the Friday, the, the party was on Saturday and it came together on, fr I like, we were going through lists and like trying to, there's only so many things that a big bearded dude that oh, doesn't want to shave his beard and doesn't want to like uh and doesn't want to obviously can't like lose weight or anything overnight so uh there's only so many things that you can do and uh some of them were okay she wanted to be bob ross like me to be bob ross and her to be a happy tree and i'm <laughs> just like i have an afro and i'm yeah no and that's so then good, I was just like, let's just, just let's just do Mr. And Mrs. Claus coming back from vacation. She's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> what wow. you uh, you guys uh, did the you guys did your Halloween stuff yesterday, right? Yeah, the bride and I have a tradition since we moved here to go to her cousin's house, uh, and and then they now have uh, two two kids, two young kids that we and and kind of um, a nice neighborhood for trick or treating, and so we. We walk around with them, though it's only one of them because one stays behind because they, they decorate quite well, like the house. In fact, yeah. they had this, you know, people have those projection type things, uh, um, projecting light show <laughs> type stuff onto the yeah, house. Yeah. So uh, her cousin does that and he's got a little button that he pressed that smoke comes out. So he, he has a thing where he hears if people come into the yard 
So then he knows that trick-or-treaters are approaching and he'll hit this button and then smoke comes out and there's like sound effects going of horror sound effects. And it's pretty cool. Um, and actually from inside the light, one of the light uh, projection things looked like is like, it was like green. I felt like I was in Ghostbusters, like when the sky <laughs> turns, uh, like with the green. Wow. Up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that was fun. And uh, the bride, uh, well, sometimes we'll dress up. One one year we were Rick and Michonne, which was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I was one, some, one of the coolest I've ever looked. <laughs> um, and I realized last night that so yeah okay well yeah that's fine so i'm trying to stay sort of linear topically i was trying to think on the way home because my i didn't exactly look like the person i was dressed up as but the only person i could think of the only pop culture or whatever that someone could potentially recognize or as if i were rick grimes if i because on the show now his hair sort of is short like mine and then he just has a pretty much white beard so if i dyed my beard white uh i could i could pull that off we have a similar facial structure but with the beard it really compromises much else so i was dressed up like dustin from stranger things because i have that sweatshirt oh it's right here let me grab it uh so yeah the dinosaur uh purple dinosaur sweatshirt and then i also have uh the hat we got uh the hat to go along with it and so and then a backpack. A backpack's kind of important for the costume. Um, so I wasn't. I didn't look great because <laughs> of the beard and, you know, but I didn't look like Dustin, but I was dressed like Dustin. And the bride was the new Doctor Who, and she looked fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Like she ordered. Uh, she ordered things sort of piecemeal uh, through the through the mail so that she uh, so that she could put together her own costume, and um, she ordered this purple shirt that the new Doctor wears that the doctor's is blank no text but she it's a doctor who you know shirt so it's the style of shirt but it does say something it says nevertheless she regenerated so instead of uh she persisted like the elizabeth warren thing uh, nice it's um regenerated as the doctors do and this is the first time in the show's history the doctor has regenerated as a woman or a female i'm not sure really how it all works i don't actually watch it with her i just hear about it here and there <laughs> And as I think we discussed, you you've never quite gotten into it as either. No, nope. I can't. I I had that conversation with somebody else. I'm like, no, there's there's episodes that don't exist anymore. Like they got erased <laughs> from from the annals of time. <laughs> and I'm not. I I can't. I can't get into a show knowing that there's episodes I'll never get to see. Yeah, yeah. That one they say that it's best to start not way back when, but rather this new. Anyway, yeah, like the, like 2005, I think yeah. is when it like restarted again or got popular, like modernized. Um, yeah, yeah. I've and heard he, that from multiple Doctor Who fans that that's a great starting point. Like, just kind of ignore the previous episode. But then I hear the episode, like the because they're the guy that looks like Pete Town the or not. I don't know if it's Pete Townsend, but he looks like the guy from the Who is the oh. Doctor Who, or he looks I like Crams. He, like he's like curly haired and like you know, is he ha- is he older or maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one? No, he's older. Um, I heard he's like a fantastic doctor and like all his stuff is like really good. So I don't know. Uh, maybe someday. I I don't have time. I, I shouldn't say I don't have time. I just don't watch shows like that. I yeah, I've noticed you know? that. You know, when we talk about stuff, you usually see movies. 
um, yeah. more than shows. And I, I left to my own devices, I would do that. I do do that. But because of The Bride, I, I see a lot of TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Ash is like a big TV person. And so she's always like, if, if, if I'm like, if we're like, okay, let's recommend, let, like, what, what do you want to watch or what would you recommend we watch tonight? She's always recommending television shows and I'm always recommending movies. And, She's recommending television shows because it's it's like she doesn't want to sit there all night. But what ends up happening is then we end up sitting there like twice as long as what a movie would be because we just oh, yeah. keep watching episodes, you know, because, of course, we binge. Yeah, it's hard not so. to these days. I did, though, while we're still talking about Halloween stuff, I did get Ash in the last week. She watched the original Halloween which was like mind blowing to me because I like I think what got her is I was talking about the new Halloween and how like it was breaking all these records and like Jamie Lee Curtis was a badass and like it was the highest highest opening for a movie with a female lead over 55 and highest um, horror movie opening with the female you know with a female lead ever and uh or maybe highest horror movie opening period just all this awesome stuff and like she and so i think that kind of she was like well tell me about the original i was like but i want to watch the original halloween before i go see the new one which i still haven't seen the new one yet um and so maybe i'm heading up north this weekend for family crap um but i don't have to be there on saturday until like five so maybe i can go this saturday morning first for for early bird yeah actually bride was gonna go with me we just haven't i've had a lot of frankenstein engagements (laughs) i have been following your frankenstein it's impressive your quantity of frankenstein engagements because i have not worked any in i was committed Uh, well you know it's my you know one of my it is your obsession oh my god hey bro you gotta stay to the left there (laughs) don't go she never flashes me, and she rocked over there. Whoa. Yeah. Fucking Boobs. hell. I got to go. No, don't tell her to go. She can go over there. She can go over there. Jesus. God, into her. I got to go. <laughs> you got to go freshen the wife. You got to go freshen the bride. What were we even talking about? Uh, yeah. Oh, the Halloween. You got her, yeah. your, your bride to watch Halloween. <laughs> I got Ash to watch Halloween, and then I got uh, on... Friday, maybe it was Friday. Uh, we watched Blair Witch. Oh, that's right. Wait, no, wait. Oh, okay. Last I remember, you were talking about it. She was up for it, and you're like, eh. Okay, I need to know all about this. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> it was so. Uh, so we're watching it, and like, I, I, I. First off, it has aged. I was surprised at how well it aged. Um, it, it is one of those movies that it is dated. It's instantly dated just because cell phones would have solved their, like would have solved their dilemma. Oh, like yeah. instantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was pretty close would, to like the cusp of when that change yeah. would have happened too. Yeah. And so um, mod, like the cell phones we have now would have instantly, like it would have been like, well, there's no way that would happen. Like yeah. they would, 
they'd have but, GPS that would get them out and like yeah, you know yeah. they might have been making if, their movies they, on cell phones. <laughs> yeah, even even if they, which is funny because that's how they shot it. Like they had little GPS trans, like they did have like hiking GPS things when they would get their notes, like say hike oh, to the yeah. coordinate, you know, and like the filmmaking team, not the not film the filmmakers team. in the movie, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, which is funny, but, uh, so she kept saying, she's like, she's really annoying. She's like, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, she is. And, uh, she's like, uh, after a certain point, it was right around when they find the like little, like patch of josh's flannel shirt oh that's so that's fucked like, up. yeah that's like got his like tongue and teeth in it yeah. and like just like crazy stuff in it and she's like when she's like well let me get this straight do you ever <laughs> see the witch in this at all and i'm like no and she's like she's like so so they don't show the monster that's the goriest it gets. She's like, this is the weirdest scary movie I've ever watched. I was like, well, are you scared? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, I'm kind of freaked out. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's great. Uh, so one of the th- ways in which that movie scared me at the time, even. And then since was I read that dossier that was published. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I had that. Yeah. There's an anecdote in that. I think to do with Josh, like after he disappeared or something, I can't remember what it was. It was something like that, something that wasn't in the movie. I don't think that it was like past legends. I think it was anyway, but remember where my room was in my parents' house. I, uh, I would sometimes like, I don't think it was a full fledged nightmare. Nothing like I had like when I was a kid that were so vivid that we've talked about on this show, but it was like a, it's still a, the thing, probably one of the things that just creeps me out the most. Like I'm on this porch now. You can't see, you can see the window behind me. So if like someone's face or some sort of, you know, creature or whatever were to creep up in that window, that would, that the thought of that is her is horrific and terrifying to me. Yeah. So something like that in the book, I could kind of imagine easily in that backyard out outside of that window at my parents' house that as a like tw- uh, 20 year old wouldn't keep me yeah. up at night, but it would, I would, I would think a little bit too much about it. <laughs> so I, that movie, it's the psychological impact of the things they suggest. are And, the, and that was part of the marketing. Like their marketing was, I, I kept trying to tell Ash, I was like, there was a period of time where it was a debate on if this was re- like, you knew it wasn't real, but like, they wouldn't let any of those actors do press. They wouldn't yeah. let them do interviews until it was out of theaters. Like it, there, and even until it came out on video, because I remember that was one of the first ones that like it was a summer movie, and then it was out on video by Halloween. Like by and I like remember yeah. thinking like we had that fast, party at your, yeah, at like, your place. Yeah, like how fast that was. Like no, like I was used to waiting like a year before you would get something out on video. And like I remember watching that in June or July, because I we I remember going to the drive-in to watch it outside, like to watch it while we were sitting outside. And 
then we had the Halloween party and it, and it was out on video that, that fast. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think they were even doing interviews by, I think that's why they rushed it was so that they could keep them under contract of not going and doing press to try to keep that mystique up. It was your, your, of course your rational mind was just like, there's no way they would make all this money off these three kids dying. Yeah. Yeah. If it's you not could like even, the most successful snuff film of all time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> even if you could, even if you could accept the fact that there was a Blair witch, they're not going to be able to make all this money off these kids dying. Like, yeah. you know, it and, was brilliant, uh, though. I mean, that the sci-fi documentary yep, that's on yep, the DVD. Yeah. And that then, was so and then good. This thing, and then they released the soundtrack, which was like Josh's mixtape. And like, that's right. And remember, and, Larry made a movie I was in b- that was based on that. Not, I don't know if it was based on the soundtrack. The whole thing was music from that soundtrack. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it had, had a really it, big it impact. Everything. It just like, there was just this allure to it where you didn't know you really started to doubt your rational mind which is again what a good horror movie does in the fact that it permeated that be outside if it was just the movie it would be easy to be like well that was really good but it's fake right right but the fact (laughs) that they were able to go outside of the movie and hit hit it with the sci-fi special hit it with that little book because the book is written like they found the footage and like yeah, that is yeah. you know it, it's like the sheriff's log or whatever, right? right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, all these like documents. Um, yeah, it's like like almost like a dra- like Dracula or something, but you know where Dracula is written from, like supposedly found journal articles and all this and newspaper articles. Yeah, there's a term for that kind of a literary document. I can't think what it is. Stephen King does that at the end of a lot, a lot of, of his. Yeah, yeah, especially the yeah. early ones, Carrie and. Yeah. And uh, it just that I think it was that whole experience, that whole like four or five months of just like, I don't know, like, it, you yeah. know, well, of course you want to believe. Right. I mean, I think yeah. fans in general or people that would be into that kind of thing, it it played on all kinds of. Yeah, you could just get lost in it. And it was, yeah. it was so much fun. And there scary. was <laughs> there's a um, I, I watched a. I don't know if I've talked about this yet before, but I watched a f- um, YouTube fan theory of somebody makes a really strong case that the whole Blair Witch movie is actually Mike and Josh luring Heather out to the woods so they can murder her. Oh, and like fuck with her and murder her. You know, like... <laughs> Um, and how they're like kind of in on it and it's all just so they can have fun torturing her and, and, and kill her. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> if I can find that video essay, I will send that to you. Cause it, it is as a, like as a fan of that movie, especially somebody that has that on their like top 10 list. Yeah. Um, it, that's in it, your top 10. Well, no, that's on your. Oh, was in your yeah, top sorry. 10, you know? I thought, but yeah, one of my top ten horror. Yeah, no, I would like to see that. I actually, yeah, I so rarely go for those YouTube things because I don't want them to get in my head. And I, yeah. you know, we've talked a lot about like my views on criticism or what I value. Um, it is a fun thing for me about this show, though. Well, part of that stuff is like I don't have any in. Like I care about what the creative team is trying to do and how it might resonate. 
but I don't have any uh, other. So like I have an investment there as a creative person. Like I'm interested in that. Right. But in terms of a lot of the YouTube type things and f- theories and criticisms and, and whatever criticism, I usually don't care because I don't care where the criticism is coming from and I don't want it to color my experience. But what's fun about this is I do care about what you think or what you say. So even if it's not your own idea and something I gets filtered through you, I get to experience this stuff in a way that I can enjoy. <laughs> oh, nice. But, Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But abs- But I think I could deal with that one on its own terms. <laughs> that it just, particular... It, it's so I, far-fetched, I like, right? I like the fan <laughs> theory stuff because it's like I am constantly trying to figure out, you know, a, a lot of the movies I like are ambiguous. They're not... Mm-hmm. There's not, you know, like, does the top fall at the end of in- Inception or... Uh, that, that one, I don't know why that was the first one that came to my head, but just like, there's just like ambiguous stuff to them. Or I, I love it when directors don't hold your hand through the whole thing. And so I never am confident enough in what I'm thinking. So part of, to help me process, to find my, I totally respect the fact that some directors just want you to have your own meaning to whatever they created. Right. They want you to find the personal connection to it and you figure it out for yourself. And then that's what it is. I don't have enough confidence in what I'm coming up with. I don't consider myself smart enough or whatever to figure to have that. But listening to other people's theories or and ideas, I might just be like, even if I refute it, if I'm just like, well, that's bullshit. It does help me think about it and help me come up to my own thing with it, you know. Yeah, and that's what um, I get to enjoy. What where, where you ultimately come to? I get to experience the the synthesis of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, yeah. Y- your ideas are better than you think, but I understand the innate thing of maybe not trusting yourself or whatever the reason that causes you to seek that stuff out. You, I'm guessing you enjoy it, so that's all. That's all good. Oh, <laughs> so absolutely. But your ideas are better than better than you give credit for. I, I mean, I, I know they are. I, 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 I even hate saying that. Like, I know they are. Like, boo! Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's uh, like I know, I, I know there's stuff that. Uh, well, do you like to do the thing where you seek it out and then get it verified and and built out, or does it come from so, a sometimes more insecure place? That, um, sometimes it's like being. Uh, like confirmation sometimes though i like having my whole paradigm shifted like that that blair witch thing i had never thought from that perspective like it was just like oh no the blair witch killed them you know and then watching this thing and being it made it a whole new movie to me like a Mm -hmm. whole new movie experience and like even this because i had watched that a while ago like a month or so ago and uh i I I went and when I watched this with Ash, I was just like, I watched it from that perspective, and it, I wouldn't say it changed the movie. I was still like, no, the Blair, it's definitely the Blair Witch, but it, it the, when I saw the things that they reference in the video essay, I'm just like, I could see where somebody would think that, you know what I mean? Like, um it gave me a different way to enjoy something that I had loved yeah. and kind of like, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. yeah. Gives you a new, um, a new, uh, like fresh perspective to, to help you appreciate it that much more. Yeah. That's fun. I, I like that. Maybe I just haven't seen the right thing or maybe I haven't given these types of things a chance. Yeah. It just, uh, 
I mean, it didn't make it didn't take away my love for Blair Witch, but it was just like I'm just like watching it, and I'm just like, yeah, like that could totally be it, you know, like, um, and and again, it was it it totally part of the reason why I wasn't I was hesitant to watch it was I was just like. I, I don't want to watch it now and it not have aged well and, and that would have tainted yeah my, I know what you, mean. you know what I mean like if yeah. I would have watched this and been like how in the fuck did this ever scare me you know what I mean or <laughs> like like oh my gosh we had a whole party themed around this movie and like and I saw it like 18 times in the theaters like no do you remember how many no. times you did see it by chance no um I'd say at least half a dozen. And like I said, I know one that's of those not, was a lot, yeah. I know one of those was um we went to the drive-in and like sat in lawn chairs with our speakers to see like to just sit outside because it's an outside movie, you know, yeah. like it all takes yeah. place outside. And so and that was a great experience. The, I think one of the most terrifying scenes shots in the whole movie is the when they're in the tent it even freaked me out watching it on the TV here they're in the tent and they hear the kids laughing around the tent oh, yeah. and then yeah. like the tent starts getting shook <laughs> right yeah and they make the decision that they're going to run why why would you do that and they're running <laughs> in the in the camera you can't make sense of anything until it stops on heather and she's like pointing out into the woods and she's like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? And that like, oh, it's <laughs> like, it's giving me goosebumps right now. Yeah, like, it's just I remember so... that too. Her, the, the, the character of her voice, like the terror in her voice sells that yeah. moment. And the, and the, yeah, she could, I, that, that's one of the, I got goosebumps too. <laughs> yeah. It's just like. <laughs> she's genuinely which again kudos to those filmmakers who just like they trusted those three actors without giving them any dialogue or and like they gave them general direction that was it and just yeah. like these are your these are the things you need to accomplish today and get those on film somehow you know right, like right and like to just have that much trust in your actors and then for the actors themselves to have that much trust in the filmmakers to just let themselves get that scared. Um, Cause I, I mean, I remember when Heather was doing the press junket, when she finally was able to do interviews and she's like, yeah, I totally thought they were making a snuff film. Like I thought they were going to kill me. Like, Oh my God. I don't remember know? that. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, yeah. But, I, I do remember the, them. Well, no, the actors aren't on the commentary, but I do remember them talking about like being genuinely scared a lot at some of this stuff, which definitely reads. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm surprised that there isn't more because can you imagine how much footage there must have been? Oh, yeah. And for, it's a pretty short movie, but none of that is really surfaced. They had like extra stuff. I feel like they put extra couple scenes on the vhs or something yeah <laughs> not even I remember the DVD that. or something but it i mean you gotta think though i maybe i maybe i'm i could be pulling this out of my ass but i'm pretty sure there was a a somewhere one of the filmmakers was talking about how like 
we had to go through hours of garbage. <laughs> like if there was, yeah, there was a my, lot. That's what I suspected is that they haven't like, shared extra stuff because the extra stuff isn't worth sharing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I feel, I mean, I really feel like we got like the cherry picked version of like just hundreds of hours of garbage, you know? Yeah. And, and, and this is, I don't know if this is true. This is, I, I have this thing in my head or memory that, maybe the movie that came out wasn't necessarily their initial intention to be like the whole thing, but rather it was going to be oh, a component be. of, a, of yeah. a larger like fake documentary. I could be wrong about that. Um, because if you, th- maybe well, no, I don't know. Maybe that's completely wrong. That but, may, I but, mean, that would make sense. Uh, I, so I think, I, I think it'd be fun in this episode to do the, in the dreaming out live, dreaming out live, dreaming out loud, archive outro segment. Ooh, that's tough to say. Uh, to put the Blair Witch Party, maybe maybe not oh, the performances, yeah. but certainly like setting up. I mean, maybe the performances. We'll see how long this turns out to be. But oh man, no, I I was thinking about our um, performance of Halloween. Uh, yeah, the Dave Matthews song on there. Yeah. We fucking nailed that song. Like oh, that. Well, fuck it, we'll include it. <laughs> that I mean that. You had that interesting like approach to. I feel like we set it up a little bit. I haven't. I literally haven't seen that in a very long. I don't. I don't remember it. Like a lot of our stuff, I've preserved in some way or other that I've seen it in the last few years. I don't know if I've seen that since we did it. Um, it was if 1999, remember, so we were filming yeah. everything. <laughs> I remember that we. I I remember just loving our version of Halloween, and then we did. Uh, but you had like a thing you did. So we we had. Uh, we led you had it's a little bit similar to the vibe that I experienced last night at the bride's cousins where there's like well it's not just horror sound effects though you had stuff from the Blair Witch what did you have was it the soundtrack maybe but it was like it was it was more that atmospheric kind of like not like yeah. music music so I don't know if that was like the final track of the soundtrack and we had it like, it was in my basement which was yeah. like set up really weird and she I was led people sheet, down yeah with like uh strobe light so like my shadow was there and that was during halloween like what was yeah. the first the first thing we did was it halloween or was it because we did like a at we least did a song from zoo tv uh, even yeah. better than because i was dressed as the horse that's where i created the oh, horse slide yes, like horse you were because i was a fat bono so instead of being the fly the i was fly. a horse fly because i was bigger that's right. And I was uh, dressed up like the edge. I shaved like a goatee. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we really, I had the laser Oh, and I dressed up as my it. mom. What was that? Oh, I dressed oh. up in my mom's dress, remember? Because I had yeah. like three costume changes through the whole thing. Yeah, right. And so, okay, so it was three songs, as I recall. It was, um, I don't remember the order. Maybe, it, I don't remember the order. But uh, it was even better. I don't remember the U2 song off the top of my head. I think that's how we came to the drag, the dress and drag though part. It's the U2. So maybe that'll come back. It was Halloween, the song uh, yeah. that appears on before these crowded streets. And we did it on October. I did see it was on October 30th on devil's night. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, so we played Halloween and then the Dave Matthews version of all along the watchtower. Oh, fuck. I feel like it was even better than the, the real thing. It's whatever one in in the in the like the thing where he like does the oh thing yeah in the, the zoo TV where he, yeah yeah with the video camera the, yeah because we had like 
It's so funny. You had we, like your high eight video camera there uh, to a TV. Yeah, so it's funny because we were trying to do the zoo. We were doing our version of Zoo TV, which essentially was like one television, like sm- kind of small television in the corner that had. No, maybe we had two. We might have had two televisions because one of them had. I had a laser disc of something from the U2 thing that had whatever the artwork that they would have played on the projection screens at Zoo TV. So we intercut, I was able to intercut that with, well, me holding the camera on myself like Bono would. But was I never did a Bono. I never dressed up like Bono. No. You, oh, you were Bono. That's right. You were the yeah. horsefly. Yeah. And you had the shades and you were dressed up like Bono and you held the camera on yourself. That's right. Yeah. And I like fed it. I like ate, like pretend to eat it just like he does on yes. the stage. Like, because yes. you're like, oh my gosh, you have to do all this stuff. I had not even <laughs> seen that show. And I, and I, I got it from, because uh, I was working at Hollywood Video at the time and they had it. So I, I watched and like we watched that. And I remember studying that and like got all his moves. You and did like, it great. It was a kind of a hot kiss to the camera. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, man, oh. that was a great. I I have pictures of that somewhere. Do you really? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that would be cool to share. I, I mean, this is becoming a little bit long. Walk short drink remembers Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. There's a thing though in the in in that era of U2's career, like in so Zoo TV was quickly followed by Zeropa which they kind of continued to tour in the same way that they recently, while they're still finishing it up in Europe, when they did Innocence and Experience, it's kind of a continuation, like a same vibe. Like when they re-released or did the real commemorative edition of Actung Baby, they they just included Zeropa as part of it. They weren't, you know, it's kind of all part of the same thing. But um, by the time you get to Zeropa, in the liner notes of Zeropa, to distinguish one Bono vocal style from another it's as though like someone else was singing it and they're overlapping they had in parentheses fat lady voice which was kind of a high like in uh i'd be in the fly but my voice is fucked up but i'm just gonna try it so it'd be like a love shine like a burning star falling from the sky to funny anyway but so it's it's the high part uh so it's the fat lady voice so somehow for us that led to you dressing like a, in a dress wearing my crow wig <laughs> i was wearing your crow wig in my mom's dress to do and when the, I, when that I, kind of high singing yeah and when i asked her uh if i could wear it she's like just be careful because i want to be buried in that dress holy she fuck she wasn't by the way that's but that's what crazy. she told me like that's oh, my nice dress because it was a black dress, right? Because yeah. we were, oh my god, yeah. And you had a, uh, you had a, uh, yeah. You look cool that night. You had the horsefly thing and a rocking beard, and you were working at the, at the. Uh, I wanted to call oh, it a factory, video. but no. Oh, so but you were, had you worked at the uh, the iron plant? I haven't yet? worked at the iron factory oh. yet. No. Well, you, no, you that looked, would have been. You looked in iron factory shape in this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, I need to get I need to get an iron factory shape. <laughs> Shit. That's a very specific thing. But but yeah, so we put together and then in I think it was I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I'm excited to look at it. But I, I remember we kind of put it together in the style of Blair, which a little bit like quasi documentary style, and then it led into this excuse to play music and 
and be um, <laughs> so what's your uh let's hear your sick rant what's it because you're oh, a big coffin this i want to say time. that but but before i need to know what ash thought like of the end of blair witch like that oh thing. she i i was like so what did you think she's like that was really good she liked it um i kind of dozed a little bit i, I like I, which i'm sad to admit but i kind of dozed off a little bit and i woke up to her being like where the fuck did the house come from like oh <laughs> Yeah, oh, that still creeps like, me out. Into all of a sudden, the they're just in the house, and uh, but that final shot with that with that was she floored by that? Like we all were at the time, or not necessarily? Um, she saw him there. Um, I, I, I think what was more poignant for me was where she was just like, so there's no witch. Like, when are they going to show the witch? <laughs> and I had to tell her they weren't, and she's like, oh. so they don't show a witch the whole time. And I'm like, but are you scared? And she's like yeah i'm kind of freaked out like mm -hmm. i'm like that's exactly right that's why it's so good it's like i remember that just being one of the like first horror movies of our like our life that did not show a monster it just like and it just fucking freaking me out so much without seeing one monster like again i you know i've said this multiple times on past episodes that like nightmare on elm street friday the 13th puppet master those were like my bread and butter that were just they relied on jump scares and like i mean honestly like nightmare on elm street and most of the friday the 13th if i try to watch them now i just laugh like i laugh like you laugh at jcvd movies you know yeah. like and they even kind of lean into that, don't they? Definitely uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street ones towards pretty, the like, yeah, pretty quickly. like after they get that fourth one. You're cutting out there, buddy. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me see. Okay. You're not as high res, but I'm not as high res either as I should be. I wonder if Ash is streaming something. Uh, the bride is definitely streaming in the other room <laughs> right now. I can see don't you just want to be like? Don't you just want to be like? I fucking do this. Once every two weeks, can't you just watch TV? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that thing where like, we're. Oh, here she comes. I didn't mean to leave a bandaid on the counter. That's gross. I love to use bandaid on the counter. We have these Star Wars band aids. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've talked about that on the show. I think I have, but some of them are like of stormtroopers and stuff, and it just makes me so mad that there's so much merchandise. I was like, I refuse to celebrate the Empire. I'm not going to wear a Stormtrooper yeah. anything, Kylo Ren anything, the bad guys. <laughs> I don't wear People Nazi like the bad shit. Guys. <laughs> People like the bad guys, man. I shouldn't have left that bandit on the counter. <laughs> uh oh. Um, oh, what are we talking about? Oh, but the, the connection's better, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. I, still look, I still look all pixely. Let me text her real quick. <laughs> yeah read a book <laughs> oh but that's a that was what i was gonna say it's it's tricky now because like we're so used to constant like everything like i walk around listening to podcasts on my phone always yeah she, she loves her ipad um and she's probably streaming msnbc right now um but yeah you don't have to wait to be in front of a, a television anymore yeah oh well i mean and it's it really works out when you're like working i mean at least i don't know you i don't, don't have give a, a shit i don't give a do shit do you have a thing where you can switch over like i uh -uh. do you probably do right two networks yeah 
Maybe I should hop this over to the other one. Well, if that would like break the. Oh no! I mean, I'm hardwired. This this connection oh, is hardwired. Well then, yeah. and that shouldn't affect then even your uh, what she's doing, right? Should be different. No. Uh, um, it depends on if the well the host one is wireless, but ooh. if I switch that, then we'll end up losing this. I don't want to risk losing the video feed. Fuck it. I mean, fuck it, dude. Right? Let's yeah. go bowling. That's. A- <laughs> Fucking a, so the hey. my sick my sick rant <laughs> it has to do um oh she's she, yeah wrap you can wrap, wrap you want me to see up. if she'll come up here and give her quick like what oh, oh that would be fantastic yes 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 even if it's only two words that'd be a yeah. great little cameo she liked Halloween she's like oh, it wasn't yeah. bad. She yeah, made it through it. That's a tough sell for some people. It, Brian and didn't it see is, it till later. Her cousin, who doesn't it, like anything that ages, <laughs> and it's like one of the first like slasher movies, right? Like yeah, like that, like where you have this like unstoppable force, and like how are these teenage kids gonna like combat it? Um, she did say she because the reason she watched the original Halloween was because, uh, she might have wanted to go see the new one with me Mm -hmm. and so we watched the original halloween she's like i liked it i made it through it like (laughs) it's definitely not going to stick with me forever you know oh she watched Um, it on her own or with you no we rented it and watched it together okay okay um but she's like i don't need to go see the new one with you (laughs) oh (laughs) i see (laughs) yeah uh i didn't see that i saw that i saw a lot of things like that right around when i was like 18 and old enough to like drive to Worcester Library and get laser discs of them. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I liked. It. I appreciated it for what it was quite a bit. Then, yeah, it's weird. Like I, I was all about the Universal monsters growing up, which are not scary, and and right. I was not allowed to watch things like Friday the Thirteenth and anything like that. But um, I've taken to those things as I've been able to see them as an adult. Hey, there she is. There's Ash. <laughs> hey. You want to get your breath? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what Dave wants to know, what your thoughts on the final, like, did the final scene freak you out in, in Blair Witch Project? Where she, like, runs into the house and runs down into the basement? Yes, very much. Very and, much like, freaked Mike's me in out. the corner. It was weird. I, halfway through the movie... I looked at him and I was like, I keep waiting for something to jump out at me and something big to like happen and it hasn't happened yet. So what's going on? And he's like, well, are you scared? Yeah. My heart was racing. My blood pressure was rising. Like, yeah, it was freaking me out, but I kept waiting for a bigger pop or like something big, like a jump scare. And that never came. And so that startled me that that never happened. Um, but yes, the ending supremely oh, freaked me out. So that you can hear Dave in case he talks. Um, and I think especially because I kept wondering, like, I kept flipping between like, oh, this was planned. This was like, they knew what was happening to know it was like, I, my brain wasn't really sure how to, because I had heard that it was, um, 
like a pre-planned movie and like they knew these were actors. And then I had also heard that like, I remember when it came out that the movie came out and people were talking about it being a real documentary. And so my brain was very confused watching it of like what to believe, what not to believe and like how serious to take it. And um, so it left me on that edge the whole time. It wasn't the scariest move I've ever seen, but it freaked me out. Like, there were so many situations that I would never put myself in. I would never do that. <laughs> I would never like go into those situations because it just freaked me out. And like, we like to go camping, but the idea of going camping right now, yeah. I don't know that I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't go into the woods for a long time wow. after that. <laughs> he said he didn't go to the woods for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Thanks, babe. We all know yeah, I'm a hiker now. Yes, good. thank you. I love you. I love you. Why? Because Mika's sitting on the couch, so he needs to be sitting on my lap. So put him in the couch. I put him on my lap, but then he was grumbling about getting up. He's just being... Oh my gosh! First world problems. You know what? Why don't you think about that awesome dinner that's in your belly, and then you'll forget about all those dog problems. What was this dinner? Oh man. I made, uh, I haven't cooked in a long time and I've been craving pasta because mm. we cut, we cut a lot of pasta out of our diet. We cut a lot of bread out of our diet, even though it doesn't fucking look like it, but we did. And, uh, I, for the longest time I've just wanted to go to Olive Garden <laughs> and then I was like, no, cause that's just like overpriced crappy pasta yeah yeah and so uh but we one of the youtube channels that we subscribe to is bon appetit because they have this we like this guy his name's brad his show is called it's alive seriously check it out oh, it's fun. the most enter- <laughs> it's the most entertaining thing ever like he really? just like he does <laughs> a, he's got he calls it the fermentation station where it's this like corner of the because bon appetit has this test kitchen that's like super big and there's all these bloggers slash vloggers that work out of this same kitchen and uh make these really awesome recipes and brad does like he has this corner of this awesome kitchen where just all this shit's just like fermenting in the like just aging and rotting in the corner of this like kitchen (laughs) uh uh but his show is great but i watched I saw these two Italian recipes that I was like, I fucking want to just eat as much of that as possible. And one was like cabanera, uh, like with eggs and pasta and cheese and, and bacon. Whoa. (laughs) And like, and like the lady says, it's like, it's like breakfast pasta. It's like bacon, egg and cheese. Oh, nice. Oh my God. (laughs) And, uh, you like, you have you cook the like bacon down and let it cool off and then you like take like egg yolks and one whole egg and like kind of mix those around and then you boil your pasta and pull out like half a cup of like the pasta water and drain the pasta and while it's piping hot put it in the bowl with the eggs the like the raw eggs and the bacon and then you just start tossing it and you put like a little so it cooks the eggs so that yeah. you're, they're safe you know but you don't they don't it doesn't scramble them and then you put some of that pasta water in there and a little bit of the bacon grease in there and then like some like 
graded uh uh not parmesan but pagrino or oh, some I can picture the label but I don't yeah. know the word either. <laughs> you put that like half a cup of that in there and then you toss it all together and then you put a shit ton of black pepper in it. So it's like peppery and eggy and like the salt from the bacon and the cheese and it's just like <laughs> so fucking good. Like oh. you watch the video and you're just like that I went to just like climb into that bowl and fall asleep and then like wake up and eat it. And you made it happen? And I took that and then the other one I saw was this lady made this like amazingly simple shrimp scampi that looked fantastic. And she's like the whole point of this it's not about the shrimp. It's not about the garlic. It's about the sauce that's in the pan and dipping bread like crusty yes, bread in the sauce. Yes. She's like that's the whole point of doing this. <laughs> and, and so I made both of those. Holy shit. Ah, oh, that sounds to die for. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. It's the start because Ash's birthday is on Monday. So. Oh, um, celebration has begun. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like tomorrow we're going to go to Brazilian Steakhouse. And then Monday we might go do pho. There's this really good place that does awesome pho here in town, which is really good. So have a gastrointestinal. Oh, and I got I got to say this quiet, but I got her like a red velvet ice cream cake. Ooh. So it's like red velvet cake with like cus like ice cream custard in the middle of it. So Oh, nice. I'm picking well up on Monday. Done. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um well, Yeah. I'm jealous and happy for you all at once. <laughs> so the but the um man, that dinner tonight was just fucking fantastic. It like it I was able to get, like, I went to the grocery store after work, went to the grocery store, bought all of those ingredients. This is how easy these recipes were. Come home, make that whole dinner, and eat, and have enough time to, like, leisurely eat, and still was able to set up and be ready to go. Oh, that's, time, that's right? a selling point as well. So get, plug that one more time. It was a... Uh, uh, bon Appetit bon is is the channel. Yes. Um. It's alive with Brad is the, like <laughs> one of the shows that's on there, but um, I'll I'll uh, I'll send you the two video the like the two recipes that I made because they're good. so they're so simple like they're just they were just like I couldn't believe how stupid simple they were and how much flavor you get out like the the cabanera the whole cell to that is like five ingredients there's like pasta eggs cheese bacon and pepper what like kind of pasta noodle is it so okay so this is the thing so if you go to their blog they used rigatoni right like a pound of rigatoni what is uh that's like the stove pipes they're like like um you ever had johnny marzetti or there's yeah cyl cylinder well kind of like yeah a, like a pipe pipe okay. yeah yeah but the, on the video she uses this stuff and i found it our Kroger has it, or the Kroger I went to has it. They have this whole like artesian pastas, and they had this pasta there. It looks like spaghetti, like thick spaghetti, but it's a tube. It's hollow up the oh. middle. So it's like as it looks like spaghetti, 
But then when you turn it to its side, you can see there's a tu- it's a, it's a tube. There's a hole in each one of those things. So like when you put it in the sauce, that tube, the heat sucks the sauce into each noodle. Oh, like, oh no! Yeah. Oh I mean, man. Oh, yes. That's yeah. It's so good. So good. Oh so. man. If I could eat, if I had to pick like one type of food to eat forever, it might be pasta, pasta or pizza. <laughs> I, I would just say Italian. Like just yeah, say, I could like, say Italian and feel okay about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like oh. anything with like carbs and tomatoes and garlic cheese. and melted cheese, <laughs> spices. Like, yeah, and I can drink red wine with it. That's the. <laughs> I've been so much better about my alcohol consumption, but I do. If we are gonna have a pasta dish, I I'll find some way to get like a controlled portion because the bride doesn't like red wine. Yeah, I don't and like I do. Like once either. a week, I'll have a bottle of red wine, and it's awesome. But I used yeah. to do it a lot. <laughs> so. Well, we used to do. We used to do one of our. This was a staple, and I think this is just like. I mean, pasta is a peasant food. That's one of the reasons why I don't like Olive Garden, is because it's like super expensive, and the whole point of a lot of Italian food is like people were poor, and so like these things, like they're, they're like pasta is just like flour, eggs, and water. That's mm-hmm. it. Like. The cheapest ingredients you can find. Tomatoes are abundant, you know. Um, so it just blows my mind when they charge eighteen dollars a plate for fucking pest. So, what was I saying? What was I getting at? I just uh, pasta's peasant food. <laughs> oh no! But, but but so one of like one of, we used to do like one of the things that we would do to save money is we would make. We call it baked pasta. So it'd be like stove pipes or it'd be uh, this uh, Papa Riddell is the name of the pasta. I think oh, the name I of know pasta. what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the bride makes a great slow cooker uh, beef ragu with the Papa Riddell. Like and it's like a, it looks like macaro- a big spiral macaroni. It looks oh, like I'm a thinking co- the wrong thing. I it can't do like the a, spirals for some reason, but, but I know they no, catch the, a lot of the sauce, right? Yeah, there's like there's this, but it's not it's not just spiral. It looks like macaroni that just like was allowed to continue oh, yeah. to it's spin like they're, out. They're thick noodles, right? Like yeah. larger. Okay, it is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and like so, um, uh, like, because you know how like macaroni is like a portion of a circle. If you were to just let the macaroni continue to spiral out, so it looked like a spiral. Oh yeah. yes, yes, yeah. And some are even like the smaller ones. That you can yeah. get a little bit of a spiral. And so um, we would we would take that and then make a really hearty sauce that usually had like either sausage or ground beef and mm-hmm. a lot of tomatoes or i mean a lot of like onions and a lot of mushrooms and a lot of like pack it with veggies and meat and tomato sauce and then you mix that with the pasta put it in a casserole dish and put a thick fucking layer of cheese on the top of it and then bake it until it's like all bubbly and brown I might be more aroused than when the bride was flashing me earlier. <laughs> and like, but like the thing is, like you'd eat, we'd eat like a just a small bit of that for that dinner. But you then can do that. You, I can't do that. No, but but because then it's like lunches for like the ne- rest of the week. You know, like I literally stuff. can't do that. Like I, I know that's the idea, but I'll just I can't. You I just will, keep eating. I won't eat it all at once. I'll wait yeah. a few hours, but I can't keep myself from it enough. Not yeah. yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. Big but pasta, on man. You, you can. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man, big pasta is so awesome. And it, I mean, that's it almost just, like your own recipe. 
sort of. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like I mean, it's like rigatoni or whatever that you you know any of that stuff. But it just like there's something about bait. Like everything's cooked already, but then just throwing it into a casserole dish and putting a layer of cheese on top and letting that cheese get all brown and bubbly. They're just like. And it's like all stringy when you like pull it out, yeah. and like the, the spoon gets full of cheese and sauce, and you just like lick the like bite the spoon. <laughs> oh my fucking god, is that good? You know, for it me though, the the magic, the sweet spot is like about an hour later if it's sitting out. Oh too. yeah, like, yeah. No, I don't I, know. I, know. I I have an iron stomach from growing up in our house because I, I I don't know what it was. Maybe we were on different schedules slightly, but food would always sit out, and you know, yeah. it often sit out until it was at the end, the very end of its life. But throughout that time. You could come and get it, so I can eat yeah. things several days old or whatever more more than most. But I love things when they've cooled off and congealed yeah. and yeah. room temperature. I like room Ugh. temperature stuff. Like I I get it. Like cheese, room temperature or pizza. I mean, like yeah, the pizza that sat out all night. The next morning, like to just get that pizza. Oh man, is that so fucking good? Yes, sir. Oh, so wow. Shit. I'm going to tag up just real quick on the It's Alive thing because I, I I went on quite a bit about my Frankenstein plans. I'll just give a quick, like, here's how here's what was cool. <laughs> um, so I went to see both versions of the National Theater Company live's streaming of Danny Boyle's uh, theatrical production of Frankenstein written by Nick Deere. Yeah. They, the creative team there, they're committed to it not being on home video and only being in theater. So it'll be like a fathom event type thing that only happens every so often. And because of the 200th anniversary, they, they put it out again to the point where in the credits, it said copyright 2018. Like there were new credits. Shit. Kind of cool. But, um, that's the production where, um, Johnny Lee Miller, who we'd all know from, uh, train spotting or, uh, what's the American Sherlock? elementary yeah i haven't seen that but i know he's and then uh benedict cumberbatch um who's on the british sherlock <laughs> uh they alternate roles as the creature and victor uh well theatrically they would alternate them on, on the nights and then in these broadcasts or whatever they call them they put them in theaters um recorded versions of the plays they show each. I'd only ever seen one in, in 2011 or whenever that was that they put them out. Uh, I saw Johnny Lee Miller as the creature and Benedict Cumberbatch as Victor. And I loved it. I loved the adaptation. Uh, but I saw both. They they only played them once. <laughs> so it was like, thankfully, it was kind of worked out to where the, br- the bride teaches on Monday nights. And these were on Monday nights. So I didn't have to torture, with her, torture her with them. So... Last Monday night, I went to the one that I'd seen, the Johnny Lee Miller as the creature. And two two Monday nights ago, I saw the one with Benedict Cumberbatch as the creature and Johnny Lee Miller as Victor, which I actually vastly preferred. I, wow. I didn't know yeah. if I would have a preference, but I really did. I, I Actually, I, I think what it was, it wasn't so much that I preferred um, Benedict Cumberbatch's creature, but I preferred Johnny Lee Miller's victor i really just dug it uh uh, so i don't know you have to see that in theaters uh they do a nice job there's like podcasts and interviews and stuff on on itunes and youtube they get this kind of supplementary material that i appreciate you can download like an extensive pdf program um and then the theatrical thing had like a i don't know five to seven minute making of type deal as well from from the time when it was created and uh yeah i really enjoyed that but i hadn't seen i ended up really preferring the one that i hadn't seen 
I saw a live theatrical production uh, called Playing With Fire last Friday, just like a less than a week ago um, at the Guthrie Theater in Minnesota. And actually, I'm wearing a T-shirt that maybe you can kind of see. Oh, man. I really love this design. Like in the yeah. So basically, YouTube viewers can see it, but the it has the creature, and then kind of in the in between his legs, like the between. Well, that sounds terrible. They have this clever design where Victor is kind of works as a shadow inside the creature, and it plays a lot. I mean, one of the major themes of the book that's exploited in that uh, Denny Boyle play is that kind of doppelganger thing about them being reflections of each other and whatnot. Um, so this this uh, play, I, I didn't look up anything about it yet, but I've downloaded a bunch of stuff. It's a cool thing about theater. Like you get these like behind the scenes books, basically. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I, hopefully I'll t- tell you a little bit more why I appreciate that in another um, context. But uh, so this one, what I didn't know, I thought it was a new play uh, at this Guthrie Theater in Minnesota. And uh it turns out it was not a new play. It was a, a revival performance of a play from 30 years ago that was commissioned specifically for this theater that ultimately went on tour across the U.S. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's called Frankenstein Playing with Fire, and it's by Barbara Field. And uh, again, all this is for the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein, but uh, um, it's been playing since mid-September. It's over now. We saw it the night before it closed um but we were right down front and this what's fun i mean we've talked a lot about this on the show and stuff too i really enjoy and appreciate very in-depth knowledge of stuff and as people who are listening chronologically we've talked a lot of, i talked a lot about <laughs> the crow last episode and i could talk i could do an entire podcast 58 episodes long about just the crow <laughs> like i love like deep dives into shit and so frankenstein one of, is one of those things so i really appreciate these adaptations and since i'm so familiar with it seeing how how it's translated what people seize upon and this play this play was kind of interesting in that it wasn't a direct adaptation of of the events of the novel but it sort of it kind of tweaks the end of the creature's uh and Victor's time together and that instead of being in the Arctic on the, on the ship with Walton, um, they're just like at the top of the world on the summer solstice on the longest day. And Victor's been tracking the monster, the creature for years and years, like to where they're old, they're kind of old and they do these like flashbacks and relive certain parts of their interactions together that you would know from the book as flashbacks with different actors, but they're all present. It was pretty clever. It, it opens with the line um, of Victor shouting at the creature, do you dream? Um, and then kind of goes from there. But uh, it was a weird, it had a slightly odd tone to it where there was, it was kind of comedic in ways I wasn't prepared for. But ultimately I really enjoyed it. I fucking love the design. I got the t-shirt and the poster. That t-shirt <laughs> is amazing. It's really, like- a, I don't know who did this design, but it's really pretty because cool. i like how you can see the stitches and like yeah and just the way that they're able to incorporate both of their frames yeah. in the same and they play off that a lot like they're essentially wearing the same coat which is yeah it's 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 it's, it's nice it's cleverly done and i didn't realize that that play had originated at this theater 30 years ago so that's kind of fun because i i think it's in a documentary that i know fondly about frankenstein but um 
that I did dra- drag the bride to. <laughs> uh, and I think she was kind of okay with it, but she's a, you know, it makes her crazy. <laughs> I mean, part, yeah. a big part of this book, I mean, even though the book was written by literally like the daughter of feminism, <laughs> I mean, Mary Wollstonecraft wrote um, on the vindication of the rights of women. And then she died shortly after giving birth to Mary, who ultimately became Mary Shelley, but um, who wrote Frankenstein. There aren't st- strong female characters in that book. It comes from a yeah. very s- strong f- female uh, author, the daughter of two intellectual luminaries of the 19th century. But uh, anyway, so, but you don't see that. Like, it's basically kind of written about the men in her life, William Godwin and her dad, uh, her kind of aloof father, uh, Shelley, her um, poet husband who who died <laughs> shortly after then many children died anyway it even though it comes from this place it's 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 a very much about like the folly of man and, and the hubris of man and right and all of that so that makes the bride crazy <laughs> so, but i love it she was asking me on the way home like why i loved it and i i couldn't really come up with an answer i was like frustrated but it, then i just kept it it's like high fidelity where he keeps revising his top five i just kept answering her for days and days yeah the thing about that book is like it's it's full of so many ideas and I won't get into them here but uh anyway so that was awesome I saw those two and then there was a couple events uh on the university campus where I work that I was able to stay after and see one of which was like eh okay but then the second one was an actor's reading or there were people reading dramatic dramatically the text of not just Frankenstein but some Dracula too um I, I read on our episode where I talk about Frankenstein, I think it's 56, one of my favorite quotes of, uh, I will, if you refuse my request, I will glut the, glut the maw of death until it be satiated by your few remaining friends. I fucking love that line. And one of the things I really appreciate about Frankenstein playing with fire, both that and the Danny Boyle one are very faithful to the text of the novel in, in, in various ways. The Nick Deere wrote the Danny Boyle directed version. But, uh, yeah, I was really pleased how much of the novel's language is in there because in most of cinematic history, like even the one with Robert De Niro, the creature doesn't have the kind of loquacious, like sensuous language that he develops in, in the in the book. So that was fun for me. And so the last thing I'll say about it is I saw this. My favorite thing about the event where people read from the book was a 14-year-old kid who seemed even younger. Like I thought he was going to read something, play like William, the victor's kid brother who gets killed by the creature is the first uh, victim of the creature. Uh, but he read the kid kind of did the kid that did this amazing reading from, from the book that went on for quite a while. Like I was like, I, I told him afterwards, I ended up turning out, I was sitting next to his father and I, uh, I was like, is that your son? Cause you know, after, and there was an intermission and the kid came up and talked to the guy. And as a performer myself, like I understand all you can think about is like what you're not getting right or like, yeah. you know, you're a bundle of nerves and, and, a, and a, a horrible burden to your loved ones on performance days. <laughs> and uh, So, but when he walked away, I asked, I was like, is that your kid? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, that was, I told him like, I will never forget that. Like he was so inspired. Oh, that's awesome. It was so fun. And then ultimately I didn't know if I could say it to the kid. Like I didn't want to freak him out. And, uh, um, but at a certain point in gushing to his father, I, he said, and he's like, oh, yeah, you could tell him. I didn't ask him if I could tell him. He's like, he kind of intimated that he would like to hear it from you. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, yeah I'll tell him. Yeah. <laughs> so I hung around after and told the kid. And I was like, you know, it was the day after I saw the Cumberbatch creature. 
and Johnny Lee Miller, uh, Victor. Oh, and I told him, it was like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. go ahead. Let me do it. Is it the day after you saw the Cumberbatch creature? Yeah. Did it come back or should I kill my yeah, No, you're back. You're back. Um, so I, I, I told him, I was like, do you know who these two actors are? And he's like, yeah. So I, I hopefully between him and his dad, somebody did know, <laughs> but I was like, last night I watched them do the, do the, this, perf- this performance essentially. And they swap roles. And I was like, Ascent, you kind of did that. <laughs> as a 14-year-old, yeah. you assumed at certain points the the voice of the creature as you're reading the novel and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I was equally riveted by your performance. And he seemed to really appreciate that, which was nice. Awesome. And so did I. So I've had a really lovely month um, indulging in my Frankenstein obsession in honor of its 200th anniversary. And that's what I can report. Awesome. Can I tell you one more thing, and then maybe we take a short break and get into Explorers? Yeah, or a King Corner. Or do you have to pee? Oh, and a King Corner, too, yeah. I'm in no rush, but I keep forgetting to to mention this. I'm not forgetting, but we've had these particularly um, focused episodes. We had the Halloween one and the Crow one. And on October 12th, I released um, some music of my own. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That I don't want to forget to, to talk about here. Um, it's called uh, Cafe Days best in boots volume two um <laughs> such a ham-fisted like segue but i was gonna do like a commercial or something but i haven't been able to get it together so i'll just do a little pitch here yeah um this so best in boots refers to um bootlegs <laughs> like uh but it's not really a bootleg about yourself but a lot of performers have adopted that <laughs> some of my favorite in fact i mean pearl jam in 2000 started to they put out their entire north american and european tours on cd and have kept up recording those in the years since and they call them bootlegs and ani defranco um did the same thing and uh i've been fortunate enough to have people record my sets um over the years and i put a bunch of those together in 2013 and I called it Best in Boots. And for whatever reason, people are or were or have been, and maybe someday will be again, more enamored of my weathered green hand-me-down boots <laughs> in some ways more so than probably the music itself. Uh, so people seized upon those. And so that's why I called them these collections Best in Boots because it's both a collection of like bootleg recordings, kind of meaning also f- rough field recordings either soundboard or otherwise. And um, then I'll use the, the the boots as kind of the artwork. I had... Uh, in my, well, go ahead, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It, um, no, no. <laughs> go ahead. I had in my car, one of my cars for the longest time, I had one of your green boot stickers. Like, Oh, awesome. Forever, like was in my visor, like up in my... Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. People like those and... and uh, for some, when I moved to Minnesota, the bride hates them, <laughs> and they were falling apart. I mean, truly, like when I found them, it was in like 2006, and uh, I had been wearing, I think whatever shoes I had or boots I had, like literally fell apart completely, and I got like some Skechers. Oh, I actually remember that. It was the bride and I were first getting together, and I remember getting those in some shoe store in near Kent, and there being a joke about my shoe size which I don't want to repeat, but, <laughs> um, 
but I was wearing these Skechers and I was playing music and I just felt so stupid. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it's like, I need some kind of boots. <laughs> like these don't feel right. <laughs> and so, I wear uh, Skechers. What's wrong with Skechers? I do now. Yeah. I actually have two pairs of the same Skechers. I like them oh, so much. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. Like get compliments on them. I'm like, the, anyway, uh, but so at the time though, it didn't, I just was, I was uncomfortable with it. And so, I don't think I was in a position to buy any, but I was still recording my first album, Dog Days. I was living in Kent, but going back to Ritman um, to record uh, the house where I grew up. And um, I found in the, like just buried in a corner of old shoes, these green boots, they had no shoelaces and they were in really sorry shape, but I actually really like old stuff like that. And so... So I found, I'd, I robbed the laces of some shoes I got probably at Payless around like the cabin kid days, but they were these yellow laces, sort of yellow and orange laces. So, but when I combined that with these old boots, the yellow and orange laces match the stitching of the boots in a way that the, I think I bought an, or actually I was gifted a new pair by Moto uh, a couple of years ago. And they come with black shoelaces. So I was able to kind of put my own spin on it, I guess. But at the time, I was just like, well, <laughs> they're green, which is kind of loud and a little embarrassing. But it was somehow less embarrassing to me than Skechers. <laughs> and so uh, I was wearing them. I was wearing them just every day. I was wearing them as I was going to school in my mid-20s there in Kent and, and playing shows. And it was weird. Like people came to know me because of these boots. And so they became this kind of iconic thing in the uh, artwork of these albums and stuff. But so in 2013, I put together a bunch of stuff that around the time I was really trying to focus on like the time someone had happened to record the show when I opened for rusted root at the Kent stage and it was like 600 people. And so it it sounded cool. <laughs> and it, you know, I played well enough, but it, the fact that it was at a theater and 600 people were clapping was nice. And so I focused on, that kind of thing for that collection. But when I was first starting to play like at Susan's coffee and tea in Kent, which is no longer there. Like when I moved to Kent, I knew I wanted to play music and, you know, in public, I <laughs> I meant for this to be short. So if you have to pee, chime in. <laughs> no, you're fine. But here I am. Um, when I was making this, my first sort of original recordings, I grew up as a very imitative kid, first starting with Buddy Holly songs and like making tapes in my bathroom that were very Buddy Holly and 50s rock influenced. And I tried to write even my original songs at age nine or 10 or whatever that was were very uh, derivative in that way. And then I would play these covers. And then later I would get excited about music and my dad would teach me song based. So it was it went from like Buddy Holly. I think the next thing I was probably excited about would have been in the early 90s. For whatever reason, the show The Heights captured my imagination. <laughs> uh, and Jamie Walters, the guy in that show, who sort of sings like John Mayer, but long before John Mayer. And then uh, I I loved that song, How Do You Talk to an Angel, from that show. And my dad taught me to play that song. And then I think the next thing maybe was Eric Clapton, but not... I never like learned how to play great guitar like Eric Clapton, but like there would be these things I got excited about. And then around the cabin days, it was Pearl Jam... Um, but there was always other people's music. And then, um, when I, you know, when I went through my divorce and moved back home 
oh, the Steve album had happened in between, which was a bunch of our friends from the, the cabin days, as as we refer to them. And that was pretty much original music, though. Yeah, we that was the first time, like around the campfire at the cabin, we would there was almost no original music at the cabin concert. I think was the first like people had their thing. Like Jackson would play Dylan songs primarily from like the Time Out of Mind sort of late 80s or uh, mid 90s Dylan and uh, Cram. So like people had their niches like Crams would play REM primarily. I play Pearl Jam a little bit of U2 and um, but so shortly thereafter when we were kind of trying to find excuses and ways to hang out with each other we had this Steve experience where that's a that's a much longer story. Maybe we should have a Steve episode someday but that was when I was writing my first songs as an adult, one of which ultimately did appear on the first album I made, Dog Days. And the other appears on this collection that I've been building towards um, called Darkest of Days. The, the collection is not called Darkest of Days, but my song was. And that was a little bit of a... Anyway, I don't know what to say about that exactly. But by the time I was making my sort of divorce album, the song called Darkest of Days, that was like kind of quasi... It's like an infomercial, dude. <laughs> Like it went I know. commercial to it's an long. infomercial. Yeah, it's long. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I this will be my place, I guess I talk about <laughs> this. I don't know. No, it's fine. Uh yeah, it's always like I was born. I grew up. I can't just say like I made a collection of songs. These well, this covers, is not these are covers that I did on my path to making my own album. Yeah, I guess what I'm getting towards in a way is that this collection of songs are performances that i recorded from my earliest coffee house shows okay um so they come directly from like the voice and guitar amp and my first like year or two of playing out um at that time i was recording these things i think in part just to just to have but also it was right when i was meeting the bride and she was living many states away and so I would send them to her, but I ended up learning a lot from them about like how to better my performances and stuff. And, uh, so they were never great. And, uh, chronological listeners to our show will perhaps have heard me talking about the pain of sorting through these. I meant for this to be a kind of a supplemental section of a reissue of that first album. Um, uh, but it kind of grew into this much larger thing to where, so those early coffee house shows were at least like two hours. Like you're, you're filling a bunch of time. It's not like people come out to, I mean, hopefully people come out to see someone sing, but most of the time in those kind of situations, it's happenstance. <laughs> and that was a big part of it for me, honestly, is I had been burdening my friends with like, everybody stop the party, listen to my sad songs, gave me a place to like go and just do my thing. Um, but I was, working out shows and so i was doing like i was (laughs) i was doing like shows like you would go see i didn't like i didn't know where like bruce springsteen yet but like in december bruce springsteen's broadway show comes out to where he like tells stories that are woven into solo performances of songs i was kind of doing that. that's awesome (laughs) but like people don't care if they're just there to like study and i've always been a little bit like too loud for that crowd but like too quiet uh, too too much like up and down to be any one thing um in any event i always wanted to do something with this and instead of it just being a smaller um collection of songs it turned into i made this like double live album essentially that uh came out on october 12th and that you can get my new website it is an infomercial 
<laughs> I, I'm on it right now. I'm looking at it right now. Because yeah, so I actually was on this site earlier. This is so weird. I was on this site earlier today, and I listened to Friends and Family. And oh, the Dreaming Out Loud. No. DreamingOutLoudRecords.com, right? Yeah, I'm on DreamingOutLoud.com records. DreamingOutLoudRecords.com. Yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. Jeez. You listened to Friends and Family? I did. That's so cool. Moto, when you hear this... Jesus, you are such an amazing producer. Like it, he is. It's so good, and I'm telling you, your uncle's voice is haunting. Like, oh, that's awesome. That last song, um, I'm gonna go there now. If I had you, like, I'm in the middle of work in my cube and like fighting back tears because it's just like it just reminds me of, um. He sounds like the guy in that song that sings Hallelujah that just passed away. Oh, Leonard um, Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's just that, like, I know Moto had compared uh, some of it to, like, um, I think some of later Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like, where Johnny Cash was just, like, recording songs that he liked, whether they were his or other people's in his, like, living room. Right, like yeah, yeah uh, it's Rubin, like yeah. it's like the American, right? They the the American records or something like that. I forget what they. That did. sounds right. I can't remember exactly. Um, and there's like several volumes. But like of it. hurt, like yeah. his version of hurt is like was yeah, on one of those. It was like on the third or fourth one of those, and uh, he does one by U two. Yeah, and, and but man, that whole album, and I'm not even a country guy. Like, so good. Like just like really good versions of those songs. Like, I mean, it's not surprising because you're. I mean, I I love your covers. I know like you're. There was a point where you were like, I need to get past covers, and I. But I always felt like you did a good job. You say you like like kind of like mimic and impersonated those people, but I I felt like after the cabin, definitely, I could see what you were saying at the cabin. But like when 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 the I'm really excited to listen to this cafe days because I really felt like you found a way to make these songs yours, um, whether it was whether you were covering Jewel or the Frames <laughs> yeah. or any like you just had a way of like making it your own sound that. Oh, fake plastic trees are on there. God, I love I love when you do fake plastic trees. Shit. Oh, thanks. I just happened to see that. Um, science oh, that's science fiction. Science I mean, fiction. Like, yeah. I can't fucking wait. Like this is gonna be amazing. Oh, like, thanks. Yeah, he, that's what I I I was starting to. I don't know what I thought I was gonna do. I think I thought it would just come together quicker, but ultimately, yeah, those shows were long, and and uh, and I wasn't. I wasn't performing great or consistently. I was really learning. I remember I was like taking voice lessons at the time to try to, cause I was starting to perform a lot, but I had these regular coffee house gigs. And whenever I had my own like voice and guitar, then that, that, I remember doing that too. Like my very first show at Susan's. I'm So just to quickly round out that other part of the story, one of our other friends star, um, well, well, you and you, yeah, you were going to Akron. She was going to Kent. There was this yep. whole kind of post cabin thing, and she worked at the radio station there. And when I was living in North Carolina, she we worked at like the NPR station. They had a strong like folk program. Bob Dylan had they headlined the folk festival that they had there every year. 
And I thought of it as this kind of mecca of acoustic music, <laughs> Kent, Ohio. You know, there's the famous uh, Neil Young song, uh, Four Dead in Ohio and all this. Like so, But when I moved there to go to school, um, I didn't see any acoustic music happening. The only thing I heard of at all was at this Starbucks. And I was like, well, I don't... <laughs> so there was this other place across the street called Susan's Coffee and Tea that's no longer there, but right across the street from campus. And so I basically went there in the summer when I moved there in 2005 and I said, I'm new to town. Um, I'm looking for a regular gig to play solo acoustic music. The only place I've seen that as a possibility is across the street at Starbucks, but I, I, I don't really want to do that. Could I play here? <laughs> and they're like, oh, sure. And then I, I did in uh, October. Gotta love college towns, uh, man. Like, yeah. like, they're just like, all right. Sure, man, go ahead. <laughs> there you go. Like yeah. what Mark Bochard did. <laughs> exactly. And then and then I, I don't know if I played the first show or even, I don't know if I had even done that, but I, I told him I wanted it to be a regular gig. And they're like, all right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And so there it was. And it was this great, um, and I my whole thing was like, I wanted just, I just needed to be out there. I needed to be out there doing it. And I, um, I had a lot to say and sing at the time, and uh, I yeah I don't know it was a it was a very form it was a very important thing for me at at the time to like move beyond the campfire, and uh, so anyway so I was recording those shows not the first couple but by like the third show I was recording most everyone for a couple of years and then uh, so I was going through all these to try to come up with this collection to fo- to be even when I put out the best in boots in 2013 I called it volume one knowing there would be others. <laughs> Is that on uh, here, other... Best in Boots, Volume 1? It's probably a... Um, you know what? Dream, so dreamingoutloudrecords.com has a lot of things that are coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can you can get Best in Boots, Volume 1 at um, at davidallman.bandcamp.com. You, you can oh, get okay. it. Is... And I think also at noisetrade.com slash davidallman, you can get it for free. And that's the best of live recordings for me from 2009 to 2012. So um, the f- um, finally would probably be on volume one. Huh? Finally is actually not on those, but it is on um, something else you can get from both of those same places, davidalman.bandcamp.com or noisetrade.com slash davidalman, both for free, I think. Uh, live takes EP. Oh, okay. David Allman, the Furious Light. So that's actually yeah. Here uh, I am just shitting all over this like you, the one you're plugging where I'm like, well, the song I want's not on there. Oh, oh no, I'm so well, sorry. That, Jeez. They're kind of no, they're they're. Um, I'm happy if anyone listens to any of this, <laughs> uh, but it. Uh, I they're they're sort of segmented for various reasons, and finally, is best uh, that cover of a frame song is best played like with a full like rock band because it's like a. Yeah, that's like a full-throated <laughs> vocal. I know, so, I loved listening to you do that just by yourself. Oh, and thank just you. like thank I, you. I, that's like one of my oh, favorite. Oh wow, of, that's awesome. My favorite covers that you did. Oh man, I appreciate that very much. Um, so you can get all this kind of stuff I, eventually. So I'm saving the DreamingOutLoudRecords.com. You'll go there and you can see a lot of the stuff that's coming soon because I'm putting together these sort of definitive editions with extra stuff and like the PDF files, like the plays I was talking about. Uh, but this one that I'm plugging in particular, this cafe days uh, is the best of these live performances from 2006 to t- 2007. So it actually goes back earlier than the volume one. Yeah. But, um, 
So it's it's basically like a long form cafe show. The I would I went through all these things and found the best, most acceptable. <laughs> uh, you know, there's diamonds in the rough. These are more like rubies in the rough, perhaps. But they were. It's like the best of what I was doing at that time that was captured. And I even chose the um, like the stories and introductions from separate days. So it's like. I'm going to click on it real quick. The, the the ultimate number of tracks is pretty high, but that's because the intros and stories are their own tracks. There are 38 tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a double. And, you said it's a double. so Yeah, and it's, it's very much like being at one of those shows um, at that time. And so it's, yeah, it's like there's a mixture of my own songs that were just being formed and this first album coming together and cover songs. Yeah, I'm looking at the track listing, and you got science fiction double feature from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, you got The Blower's Daughter by Damien Rice. You got Number 41 by Dave Matthews that I did in a kind of tweaked way. Sing Happy Birthday to someone. <laughs> nice. New Wild West was one of my favorite Jewel songs. Oh, man. Uh, Fake Plastic Trees from Radiohead. Black from Pearl Jam, which I finally found a way at that point of... You know, I was really like singing my own stuff. I was kind of coming out of my shell of being so imitative. And so that's a little bit more like my speed than say just an Eddie Vedder karaoke version. It's the one time I ever played Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. It was on my brother's birthday in 2007. Yeah. He he, he shares his birthday with Trent Reznor, actually, uh, May 17th. Oh, no, it was two days after his birthday. Anyway. Um, but so I, that's on there. Dark as a Days, which was my Steve song, which is kind of like a Days of the New, like acoustic metal song. Uh, Tribute is in there. My, my solo rendition of what we would play together as Mighty Juice, the Tenacious D song Tribute. Which I just uh, have to give a plug <laughs> while we're talking about albums. Tomorrow, the new Tenacious D album drops. Oh, that's right. What's it called? Post-Apocalypto? Post-Apocalypto! Yeah. Yes. Were they bringing Dave Grohl back? Shit. Oh, fucking A. That's so cool. Fuck. I'm sorry. You're playing no, that's okay. your album. And I'm actually, I'm about to piss myself, so I'm going to fast track this. But those are the covers. Also, The Lonely One by Wilco and Hallelujah uh, by Leonard Cohen. I sort of, one of the things about, I love that song and I love the sort of spiritual bent of it, the kind of broken hymn that it is. And it was made probably most famous in a lot of ways by Jeff Buckley and people after. And that's where I first heard it. But the verses of Leonard Cohen's version, um, nobody seems to do. So I do those. Uh, yeah. And then a bunch of songs that became my first album. Dog. I Days do really love your on. version of, of hallelujah as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, so if you go to uh, dreamingoutloudrecords.com, you'll see that there as, as well as the family style that my brother produced for, the, by incidentally the backing band on that um is like my debt is basically the high their high school band plus a couple of people <laughs> who all get together on wednesday nights and and jam and now moto is working on a, a project with those people all those same people but each of them gets to pick a song I, so i haven't heard too much Wait, about that yet. with what people the so my my dad and uncle's high school band in the 60s oh, yeah. is called bushman and i and i even we had revivals of them playing together at some of my shows right uh but yeah moto's working on a a collection of songs where each of them gets to pick a song i think and front it front it and he's making that i'm Uh, I'm telling you what though 
friends and family. Like I, I was just, I, you know, moto, this is why we got away from the moto mixes was because he wanted to focus on this project and like give this back to his uncle. And, um, it really was moving to me, like talking about how, like when moto was talking about how your uncle really saw that time when he got to play on stage with you guys, like as like the highlight of his life and like how he just wanted to like use this talent that he had to give this to your uncle, you know? And like, man, it's so good. Like you can just, you can just tell it was a passion project, like all the way around. Um, yeah, that's very well worthwhile. And all of it's free on dreamingoutloudrecords.com. Yeah. The the last thing that I really wanted to get to with that is um, because I really, one of the things that ended up being a big part of this project for me was uh, liner notes. Like I'm at a place in my, I don't know, call it career or whatever the fuck, but like uh, there's not enough support to for physical media or otherwise to like justify that expense, but you can do everything digitally. And so I really wanted there to be I've always been fortunate to have talented photographer friends, you know, yourself among them. And so I have cool pictures of me. (laughs) Um, And so I, I wanted there to be a home for some of this stuff. And so I created this uh, PDF booklet that even, even me now that I've made one or two, (laughs) I, um, I value them probably more and look at them than I otherwise might have. But I know a lot, not a lot of people do. And I wanted to find a way to make sure that that was like a big part of this experience and the way it was presented. So if you download it from dreamingoutloudrecords.com, you'll get the uh, 35 page PDF that comes with that download of your choice of MP3 or wave or whatever the hell it is that you want from this myriad of options. Um, but uh, if you go to davidalman.net slash cafe days, uh, you could download it or view it directly there just with a click of a button as opposed to, you know, having to download it and like f- dig it out of whatever the folder it is. So I use this as an opportunity to finally like reconstruct a website for myself that now is integrated all the various things that I do. So there are sections for music, there are sections for film, there are sections for our podcast. <laughs> uh, oh shit. A- Did you make a podcast web page? No, not for the show. Just okay. just for me. Uh, so if you go to davidalman.net, um, you, you'll see it says there's these three sections and a quick blurb about myself. But rather, davidalman.net has always been my music. Yes. But since I haven't been so active in creating new music, you know, new compositions or new performances and stuff, um, I just rebranded, like use this Cafe Days as a, as a excuse or, or really I wanted a place to house this album and this PDF that you could look at it cause, so it wouldn't be buried somewhere because it was one of the my favorite parts of creating it. Like I included the typewritten lyrics of my songs from back then and little artifacts from the shows and, you know, fucking 35 pages of, it's like a book. But, you know, it, in, a, in a perfect world, it would come with a big, you know, four LP final release, but in this world, uh, it comes digitally. So, so you can get, yeah. So David now has stuff, um, about my music, about film projects about, and then there's a, a podcast section that links to, to a long walk, short drink. Um, gives a little background on that for people who might come across it otherwise. So cafe days, get it seriously <laughs> check it out and while you're at there make sure you 
you listen to Friends and Family too. It's only eight songs. Totally yes. worth it. Yes. I, I mean, seriously, listen to any of this. I um, I think tomorrow I'm going to listen to the 10th anniversary of Stargazer. Oh, that's good. Like, Cram did some great work there. I was really... That was fun. Like, we got to work on some of that together, and he embraced this process that I've been applying to some of these other things. And he created some new performances as well oh, as releasing wow. some demos. Like, the, the new performance he did of Believe, his song Believe, yeah. track, like, 15 on his thing. Uh, yeah, I got goosebumps in that because Cram's, like, one of my favorite things as a singer is, like, to sing out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And some people like that. Some people don't. <laughs> Uh, about me but um crams is a much more like reserved vocalist usually but in this so he's got the his 2006 album uh stargazer that has nine tracks but this one has 16 actually you know what i do on this stream now <laughs> it's a uh, site as the curator of it which if you go there it says all music no business the always free to download growing collection of recordings from a group of friends raised in Northeast Ohio. So there are, I'm not sure. I haven't done the count probably close to 30, you know, releases there that are either existing or coming soon of things that we know to exist all come from these sort of cabin kid. <laughs> That's <laughs> that awesome. We talk about anyway, his, this version of believe is, uh, if we go, if we do a, if we do like a, a break, break, I'll, I'll play it because it's, uh, it's great. He like sings out and up to where it's so like intense. I, t I remember telling him at the time, I was like, I wasn't even sure if I liked it. And I would never tell him if ultimately I did it, but it was like, it's so intense. It makes you like uncomfortable for a moment wow. me as a singer for w what he's reaching for. But, oh, it's great. So he, oh. he really like embraced that in a big bad way. Oh, I can't wait to listen so, to that tomorrow. Yeah, that's Shit. wicked. What else? You'll, oh, well, Go to go to dreamingoutloud.com. Dreamingoutloudrecords.com. Shit, it's like yeah. my version of uh, LWSD or uh, <laughs> audibletrial.com/lwsd. Go to dreamingoutloudrecords.com. Check out everything that's there. All of it's good. <laughs> yep. All go of to davidalman.net as well. All to, of it is some way has led to long walk, short drink. There's like all of these things can be tied. And I, I, I'm not trying to make it about long walk short drink. I'm just saying, like, if they're if somebody is listening to long walk short drink, oh, that would be their end. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like, other, other so, like somehow these things are connected to long walk short drink. So, and yeah. and speaking of crams, we got to get crams on for his like follow up episode where we don't have to talk about cabin shit. We can yeah, um, <laughs> man, I, I'm not trying to like segue or change the subject at all. But for the last, like, three years, this beer has come out. It's a holiday beer. It's called Mad Elf. Have you ever heard of it? Do you see this? Mm -mm. Uh, no. I'm, uh, funnily enough, on my own website, <laughs> clicking away. <laughs> this stuff Elf. takes so long to make, and the bride will look over at me when we're watching TV, and she'll tell the dogs. He's like, oh, look, Daddy's looking at pictures of himself again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is so true. Yeah, yeah. It was true in that moment. So what's this what's this elf beer? It's called the Mad Elf. It's ale brewed with honey and cherries. And it only Ooh. comes out at Christmas. It's like Christmas. Oh, that ale. sounds like a Christmas ale, like a yeah. is it similar to Great Lakes or uh, um no. It's very it's kind of sweet. Actually, it gets sweeter the warmer it is. 
Um, and I actually did not like it right out of the cooler where it was like chilled on ice. But out of the fridge, it was pretty good. But when it warmed up a little bit, uh, it was much better. Um, it's Trogues, T-R-O-E-G-S. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, but it's 11%. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they like to do that at Christmas. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. What is that about? Like, do we have to turn every Christmas beer into, like... Uh, it's cold outside, like a date rape beer. <laughs> Come on, like uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. I always thought it was like, well, I don't know. Because you're trying to warm up. I, I guess that's like you want to warm. Or just up. like get through like extended family situations or whatever yeah. it might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just hearty beers in general. But let me see that label one more time. I took I'm, it to a, I took <laughs> it to a dark place. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Actually, the. Uh, Oh, no, that, that's not the brewery I was thinking of. Does it say where that's out of? Oh, wait, can you see that? Can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, uh, the... let me, let me talk. There we oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know so that. Tro- uh... They're on the, it's on the cap too. Okay. Here. Let me, uh. I, I just remembered there was. That. Yeah. So, you... uh, there, there's the, it's got the, the umlaut over the. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> That's how you get it, Colvin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe you put a little umlaut over that or something. Maybe like, oh, you mean those two dots? You mean those two dots? <laughs> no, man, Coven's like oven. That sounds stupid. Um, There's a Coven wine that came out this month. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it's got the scarecrows as the label. Did you see the Brian Johnson tweet? Is that his name, Brian Johnson? The yeah, no, I I don't think I did. Uh, he tweeted, he's he's like, so apparently, this is his Halloween tweet, it, and it's it, I read it, and I almost pissed myself. It's so, like, <laughs> in case you're wondering, the cops just informed me that giggling man with candy bowl and partially open robe is placed firmly on the list of unacceptable Halloween costumes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I like love that guy. Yeah, it's I one of my yeah, I love that podcast so much. I mean, that's essentially like in a lot of ways I don't know what are yeah, if Twinkie. Basically, yeah. I mean, they're different personalities, but it's a trio of guys that have two of which have known each other since like grade school. Yeah. And um so their dynamic is is so fun and and now in their like early 50s, maybe late 40s. They're doing all this quite creative stuff, and that they most recently moved to Patreon, and that's the only Patreon that I support so far, and so I get extra stuff. And they do they do Christmas specials. They've always done these Christmas specials, and they do Halloween specials. And uh, they just put out one for 2018 that was so fun. Like it's like a, a lot of times they play games and they record the podcast and in Jay and Silent Bob Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash Red Bank New Jersey. <laughs> Uh, where Walt works <laughs> and and Brian Johnson frequents <laughs> to record the podcast, but th- the it's produced like a they set it up like it's a th- like as though you popped in a VHS that something else was recorded on and like li- you caught this late night program that came on after, and they did a really nice job with it. Anyway, it's, it's that's awesome. Uh, Speaking of. Yes. Uh, let's, let's transition. Let's to transition anything. to a, a king corner because I have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have some questions. Um, <laughs> have Have you had a chance to watch Creep Show yet? No, I had to prioritize Creep Show or uh, Explorers, and I was like, I should, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you watched sure Explorers. Ready. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's raring to go down there. <laughs> I started uh I started I I mean I'm when I say started I'm like maybe 30 minutes in maybe 45 minutes into the Michael C Hall reading of Pet Cemetery. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm not and, too terribly far. I'm I'm up to where the cat comes back. Oh, Just yeah. Came back. Yeah. Um and it is it is Dexter reading Pet Cemetery. Like he yeah. like like <laughs> it's a, I don't know if he's channeling Dexter while he's doing this or if he was just playing himself as Dexter for all that narration. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just his voice. Yeah, like, it, like it's. Uh, but his I've seen him in enough in other his, stuff. In uh, his I, like, his cadence and his the way he he talks and gives inflection and all of those things, like they're very similar. Yeah, it is very, and it's very like it sucks you in. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, his voice is. I get. I find what's the soothing the older man that. Uh, it's his friend. Judd Cranston. Judd, yeah. Yeah, Judd Cranston, right? Yeah, like, like, especially that, it's every so often I'll realize, I'll just like kind of catch myself. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like one guy vacillating between these different yeah. voices. And, because uh, I, I do, I just get lost in it. Yeah. Um, Double D just started, he sent me a picture, a screenshot, uh, the fourth Dark Tower book. All right. Which is the last um it's the last book that's read by Frank Muller. And uh, uh like before he passed? Yeah. Well, I mean, because there's such a long gap between that coming out and the fifth book coming out, that's when he had his accident. He didn't pass, actually. He didn't pass oh, still around even? No, now? he or? he did pass away of um after all the Dark Tower books came out. But in between the fourth book and the fifth book coming out, he had a really bad motorcycle accident and oh, okay. um, was unable to that. continue his career as a voice actor uh, because of it. And uh, to the point that Stephen King and another in a, in a whole litany of other authors released a book called The Wave Dancer, which was the name of Frank Muller's sailboat. And it was oh. all of the proceeds of that book went to support him, That's basically. Awesome. So, uh, but in my opinion, that is the best audiobook I've ever like the best narrated audiobook I've ever listened to. Uh, yeah, that's the Wizard of Glass. Yeah, Wizard, Wizard and Glass. Yeah. Wizard uh, and Glass. I was trying to remember, and then I was able to look over your left shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> at the uh, beautiful right artwork. Yeah. Um, Wizard and Glass, and uh, it he does it, he performs it like I don't know, like an animated movie or a radio drama. To the it's such a large cast of characters. It's almost overwhelming. There's so many characters in it um, to try to keep track of names and places. I remember when I first tried to go through the Dark Tower series, I w was physically reading them. This would have been very early in college. Maybe uh, I, I mean, I was still living in Ritman in the house on Sunset and uh I got up to that fourth book and it had sucked me in. The first three books had sucked me in physically reading them. And, but the fourth book was so dense and so many characters 
that it turned me off. And it wasn't oh. until like years later that I did it on audio and Frank Muller's reading because he does such a great job of changing his voice and giving each character their own voice that you're able it, again to listen to it like a radio drama, like, like, so I could piece it together and get the, like, that's another, when you have a good narrator, that's another benefit of the audiobooks that like, you know, sometimes I don't know if this happens to other people, I but it happens to me a lot that if it's a dense piece of fiction that doesn't have a lot of exposition, uh, it's really it's really hard to follow for me, I and, and until I'm almost like halfway through the book before things start really making sense, and then I feel like I want to go back and reread it so that I can pick up on stuff again. But in audio, if you have a good narrator that's able to like give those characters their own voice, it's much easier for me to follow. I mean, it, it is cinematic almost, um, yeah, but all yeah. through auditory, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's what's been so fun for me about this whole Stephen King thing for me is being so ignorant of most of the movies and all the books is that I get to kind of do both. Like I get to have the movie in my head listening to the book and then I quickly transition to watching the usually at period accurate uh, movie version that right. just kind of fleshes it out a little bit more. Yeah. It's, it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. I, so have you liked the Dexter Oh, Dexter and Michael Z Hall? Oh uh, yeah. No, no, adjusting? I do like it. I do like it a lot. Um, I, I would have, I can't remember. I remember listening to pet cemetery, but I just listened to it one time. Um, and it was the only time I never read that physically. Um, I only listened to it once. So I could not even tell you about like the other version of the audiobook that I, uh, because this was a, this just came out this year, the Michael C. Hall yeah, reading yeah. commentary. And I think it's in anticipation of the new adaptation coming out next April. Mm -hmm. Um, which, I I don't fucking know, man. Like I just don't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Like because of your appreciation for the first one, or because it's no, so because scary? it's so scary. Like because, <laughs> oh like, wow, um, wow, that's kind of interesting. I I mean, when you when we when you finally watch Pet Cemetery, I'm going to watch it again, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm going to try to not cover my eyes for the part that I have to cover my eye that I've had to cover oh, my wow. eyes. Like so, it'll be the first time I watch that part. And oh, that, okay. And there is a glimpse of that part in the trailer for the new movie that comes out next year. And I I instantly am just like, I want to just slap my hands over my eyes. <laughs> like, even when I saw it in that trailer, because um, I know what it is. And, uh, fuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like uh, the intro for this that that Stephen King writes where he talks about how, when people ask him what his, his scariest, what he thinks his yeah. scariest book is. Yeah. And this he's able to say, yeah, I love it. Yeah. He's, he's able to say without hesitation that it's pet cemetery. If Stephen fucking King is able to say like, this is my scariest book. Like, <laughs> like, like that's saying something, right? Like you, would, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and and just like so you're up to where the cat 
the cat the cat has just back. come back and and uh so has it gone through got... the, the the like the kid that he lost at the hospital who was on his bike or yeah, whatever that was the first sort of inclination of any kind of supernatural anything and then that yeah. has that kid come back yet i don't want to spoil in, in, well in his yeah like he we can't figure out if they're dreams or whatever but then yeah ultimately um oh. the winston churchill gets run over was yeah. they sort of foreshadowed that probably would, and then uh, him and Judd, Judd, he and Judd, he and Judd, yeah, he and Judd, yeah, go to uh, go out to the pet cemetery, and uh, I really wasn't following. I just that's that's one of the great things. I I realized I'm not sure if they're not in the Bachman books as much, or if theirs was just kind of shorter and more streamlined, and maybe I don't know, but I I missed the. T- tail the sort of the web the web that Stephen King weaves to where he gets he really gets you sets up the characters and everything he really like lays this foundation before he lets supernatural and bad things befall him so I I've been enjoying I was I realized right away with this pet cemetery that I was I was enjoying that and then I had kind of missed missed all that so it had been I'm just now getting to the supernatural parts and so I'm just like I don't know. I'm just not even thinking, not anticipating anything. And then it's, there's something to where I can't think of the main character's name. Uh, Ben? No, no, no. no, It's, um, it's, it's a weird name. They don't say it as much. He's always saying his wife's name, Rachel and Ellie, his daughter. But since he's narrating it, his voice doesn't come up or his name doesn't come up as much. But, uh, He's going over to Judd, the old old man's uh, house. I think probably just to have a beer. Or so, Lewis, so he Lewis Creek. Lewis, there it is. Yeah, <coughs> Lewis. So he goes over there after they buried the cat, and then there's something. And every once in a while, you know, like I would, especially reading, you find like, oh no, I've I gotta go back two pages because I don't know what happened. <laughs> like I just zoned out. Yeah, I'll do that in an audiobook sometimes too. And so I found that I had to do that in the car today. And then uh, he's like, oh, and you'll understand this last part or something. Like, you'll soon understand this. And I was like, what is he talking about? So I didn't catch it at all until suddenly, like, the cat was back and alive but acting weird. And that's kind of where I yeah. that's where I left it. I'm uh, – so I'm really torn because in the, in the original movie, Herman Munster plays Judd. Mm. Right? Okay. And Mark Hamill plays Lewis. Yeah, no, <laughs> Mark. Ham- no, Mark Hamill doesn't play Lewis. Mark Hamill is the ghost kid, like the the kid oh. that gets hit on the bike. Okay. And it's not Mark Hamill. I mean, we know it's I know, not. Yeah, Mark. just from the but, poster. Like, but it's weird. Poster. Like I've, I've never seen anything. Like I've never seen Fred Gwynn as. I've never seen any pictures from that movie. Somehow, it's a, all yeah. a mystery to me. So Herman Munster plays Judd, and then now John Lithgow is playing him. Oh. And you have Michael C. Hall does this version of him of that character because he does that like that uh, nor'easter drawl like very very he does it well. Good, yeah, yeah, he does it really I'd love well. To see him as Lewis too. I don't see. Yeah, why didn't that happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, Herman Munster as Judd is like fucking. Oh fuck! I'm on the IMDb and there's a picture <laughs> of the sister. That's the fucking guy sister i don't know about yeah, no, sister no i can't I'm, I'm gonna spoil shit oh anyways um so 
Let's go through this article real quick. Uh, yeah, I'll let you drive because I, I talk so much about some of I'm literally stuff just going to be like, boom, 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 boom. I won't even boom, look boom. at it. So I'll yeah. just react to you to help um, facilitate. And then we got to talk about, we have 45 minutes to talk about explorers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think that's plenty. Um, so I'll just react to, to I, I actually didn't look at it too much other than to see that there was so much and I saw certain uh, it, things it, like, oh, and long, it goes on and on. Like, oh. I mean, it, like that you're just like, so this is an article that came out on October 30th um, on Rotten Tomatoes site. It's every upcoming Stephen King movie adaptation. Um, and it's just, these are all projects. I don't think, I don't necessarily, I mean, the way Hollywood works there's probably a good chance that not all of these will ever get actually see the light of day. <laughs> They're all in some various stage of production uh, hell, right? Or turnaround. Yeah. Throw out that term. But maybe, I don't know, if they're on this list, though, I, like The Stand was in turnaround I, or I mean, Hollywood a, Hell there, Forever. There was a remake of Explorers that was announced in 2014. You know, like oh, sometimes yeah. that just happens and then nothing yeah. ever comes from it. So, yeah, there, there's been a crow uh, reboot like imminent for at least five years. Yeah. So like with Jason Momoa was attached, all these. Other yeah. People. So, yeah. I mean, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. So but these are this is the supposed list of current films that are some in some stage of production that are adaptations of King's work. Some of them, of course, are more obvious than others. The first being Pet Cemetery, That's definitely coming out. The trailer's released for it. It's set to come out on April 5th. Uh, it Chapter 2, that's a definite, right? Yeah. Um, in the Tall... That's been shot, right? Probably. Oh, yeah. Um, or, I, I mean, they. I know they were in production, but, oh, man, the fucking adult cast is just fantastic bill Hader, james mcavoy you got jessica james chastain McAvoy's bill what's that james mcavoy's bill um uh, uh or will what's the main like kind of serious kid bill yeah yeah he's like the main the leader of the group um and that's just i'm hoping that's right just because that would seem right <laughs> to me um let me see i love the bill Hader. that's great well, and Bill Hader is Eddie Tozier, right? Like Trashmouth yeah. Tozier. They've been playing the shit out of uh, Stephen King stuff on um, cable TV. So you know how I'll put something on mute in the background and then go work in my corner? Yeah. I've been able to put on like these Stephen King marathons. I've barely seen anything. Like I think I put on Google. He's hot one right now. I mean, there's just no other way to yeah. say it. Like since so it fun. came out, it's he's just been on fire. Um, yeah. Jake McAvoy is paying, playing Bill. Good, good. Who's a uh, fuck? Who's John Ritter's? <laughs> um, uh, ben is ben. Jay Ryan, <coughs> who um, has been in Mary Kills People, Top of the Lake, Go Girl. Looks like he's done a lot of TV. Top of the Lake, huh? Uh, well, yeah, that that the, the the child actor for that was awesome. Uh, fantastic, I'm sure. And he looks like him actually as a grown up. All right. Oh. See, we're already doing what I said we weren't going to do. I'm just going to no, read yeah, down the keep, list. Keep rocking it. It Chapter 2, In the Tall Grass. That's based on a story that he wrote with his uh, son, Joe. Uh, oh. Joe Hill, who is a, a 
prolific author in his own right. Uh, Doctor Sleep, which is the yeah. sequel to The Shining. They say he was in that one yet, or no? Um, Uma McGregor is playing Danny Torrance. Oh, in that. isn't I that going like to be that. fucking fantastic? I like, like that. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, and that is such a different story than The Shining is. Like, it's just yeah, it's not at all really. Um, I mean, the, really, the Overlook, the site of the Overlook, is the only like, and Danny Torrance, of course, is the yeah, yeah, uh, the really only connecting things. Um. You got a little bit of Dick Halloran in there, but uh, I give just like a super quick shout out. I honestly, I don't want to talk about it other than to say haunting of Hill house. I know Hill house from reading dance macabre is a, is a Shirley Jackson's novel, which I'm not familiar with was a big influence on King. The bride got obsessed with the Netflix show to where she watched it to the very last episode recently and then she's like we we need to watch this together she watched it again with really me. that's what it's i did excellent. with that's what it's i did excellent. with uh cobra kai with ash oh yeah it was it was so fun and uh, i mean it's a yeah it's a great family drama with some supernatural elements but it kept screaming to me like shining oh um, so i'm not familiar enough with the book yeah but, um just as in the spirit of the holiday season and knowing its influence on king um if you're on the fence about haunting him hill house on netflix definitely give give it a go and actually stick with it a bit because it actually it gets better and better it's it's got a very interesting narrative structure that's very rewarding in that 10 episode thing uh but it reminded me a lot of the shining to where it's like i don't know what the book is but if the book is this it had a huge influence on the shining (laughs) awesome um all right so then now we're just going to rattle so those are all the confirmed like these they have release dates they're coming out right oh wow okay yeah, um, very firm. Now we're just into the recently announced. So these are all the, like, there's a chance these might not happen. First up, Tommy Knockers, which I could probably say might be my favorite Stephen King book outside of the Dark Tower books. Whoa. It, uh, like, oh, it, that's news. Yeah. Uh, 58 I, Stephen in. King <laughs> fucking hates the Tommy Knockers. His, his book? The book, the Tommy Knockers, it, really? it, it was written at the height of his like really dr- of his drug problem, uh, and, and I've heard people compare it to like it's like being on a coke bender. And after you hear that, after you've read it, and then you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, that's totally what it is. But man, is like it so fucking good. It, It's so <laughs> fucking good. Man, is it good. Tommy Knockers, The Long Walk, my favorite Bachman oh, book. Oh, yeah, yes. A reboot of Firestarter, which was it which was pretty good as like the original Firestarter was pretty I mean, good. And pretty good and also like super faithful. Although yeah. it'd be great if they got a real American Indian to play that. Yes, they would. Like, like George C. Scott. George C. Scott was should not have been a Native American. <laughs> was not uh, okay, from but... a Buick eight, which is uh oh. a really good uh it's yeah. like tied a lot to the Dark Tower universe, but it takes place in our our level of the tower um in development oh, which means these definitely don't have like there's a really there's just as good of a chance that they won't happen as they will yeah uh the talisman which is his co he co-authored that with peter straub uh hearts which is you know the book hearts in atlantis i've heard of it okay and then there was a movie called hearts in atlantis that starred a young, um, uh, well, Anthony Hopkins is old in it. He's in it. And then a young Anton Yelchin who 
uh, oh. died a couple of years yeah. ago when his Charlie Jeep, Bartlett. Yeah, his, his, <laughs> I like that movie. His Jeep ran over him like the e brake yeah. went out and That's like so awful. <laughs> so awful. Uh, like such a charming like young guy and I, I he's in this movie. I don't know if it's just called Charlie Bartlett or whatever, but that's my that's where I saw him that I liked him so much. Double D when you listen to this episode <laughs> like Anton Yelchin is who I wanted to be Eddie Dean in the Dark Tower series. How uh, many of the Dark Tower podcasts with Double D have you made so far? Just one, just one. Oh, okay. I thought you made at least two. Possibly no, more. we just talked about how we need to. We're going to start doing them on the off weeks that we're not doing this podcast. Oh, very fun. So, I miss Double D. I don't know why, but we haven't heard from him as much. Yeah. So when you hear this, well, we're if coming you up us, to 60. Let's just give the bug in the ear. Let's get yes, the whole cast yes, on for 60. Yes. Because we need to get everybody on. Yes, sir. Let's just make, let's that, make ha- that happen. I want, I want Tweaky to come on and plug his. Like, let him do a little bit of a plug for his Twitch stream. Yeah. Which, uh, maybe Rocky Mountain clips. AM. Like, uh, yes. Rocky MTAM on Twitch. All one word R O C K Y M T A M. Search yeah. that on Twitch. Uh, yeah. 10 p.m. TV slash Rocky MTAM. And, and yeah. he archives his video streams there and stuff. They're very fine. The other day, when I was putting together uh, episode 57, the last of it, which turned out to be <laughs> very late night, <laughs> I was excited because it was a Tuesday. So I thought I could uh, listen to Twinkie, but he had changed his time. So you want to subscribe? Just because it's a special <laughs> game. Yeah, just because of yeah, uh, a special yeah. game he played. But he's been very uh, like on the ball in terms of like every week and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that was really... Sorry. <laughs> I I did I clicked on the thing because I thought it was live and then I realized it was a stream so I just thought I'd come back to it but it was fun because you could tell he was interacting with someone awesome. I just what a world where you can click on a button and hear your buddy across the country yeah um anyway so hearts is so hearts in Atlantis the book there's actually it's like four little novellas that all kind of chronicle similar characters or the same characters like throughout time um. And Hearts focuses on a different Hearts in Atlantis with Anthony Hopkins was like the first novella in that in that book. And then Hearts is the second one, which is like the college years of that character. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Drunken Fireworks, little short story that was on that like uh, <sighs> mid. It's like the midnight. The one that just came out of short stories. Really good. Revival, which is, in my opinion, is like King's version of the Frankenstein story. Okay. Um, um, it's it, That's it. probably a stretch for a Frankenstein purist. Um, but it's it, all right. I'll take it from uh, your recommendation or your interpretation there's, thereof. There's probably, um, it's probably more H.P. Lovecraft, but I really just felt frankenstein through the whole thing it's um, more recent sort of yeah that came out uh that came out right after the first mr mercedes book oh okay yeah, yeah. and then the jaunt which is like after mrs todd shortcut is probably my second favorite short story that he wrote well which is this it's purely science fiction and it's about um I don't want to spoil it, but it's about teleportation and, oh man, is it so good? So 
but that's the list that all of those are so they all make my dick hard like there's just no <laughs> other way to say I'm it in. um if your dick's hard i want to be there yeah <laughs> what yeah um so uh, it's a good list take, it's 10:25 we no. still need to wrap by 11 but do I don't you wanna... have I don't have tons on explorers. Uh, my 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 here's the sum total of my notes. Oh, not bad. So, That's not bad. So, so I mean, it's really short. It's not very long. But yeah. do you want to take a piss break and then we'll? Uh... Yeah. All right. And play that cram song. Yeah, play the cram song. We'll piss, and then when we come back, we're gonna rock out explorers. Like it, it's this is I told Ash like yesterday. This is the teaser before we go for a piss break. Ash is like, so how? Because I watched it. I finally found it. I got to do my rant. You didn't even do your sick rant. Like I got a flu shot and it made me sick as fuck. So. The flu shot <laughs> for the did second not make time. You sick? That's a myth. No, I know. So uh, they t- explained that to me. It's not actual sick, probably, but it's the symptoms, I guess. Oh. But it happened immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't get sick, and this is the second time it happened, and I, and it's been awful. But anyway. Not awful. Probably not as bad as the actual flu, but it's yeah. been, a, been a real problem but for about Ash a week. asked me last night because I finally was able to get my hands on a watchable version of Explorers yesterday. Literally yesterday. Yeah, I, I was surprised to, to, to learn that that was an issue. Uh, um, well, and that's what my rant's going to cover. But Ash was like, so how was the, like, did, you know, was the movie good? I'm like, of course it was good. Like, it's been a part of my life since I was like five years old. It's as, it's easily number two after the Goonies of my that's, life. That's the first thing I thought of when, when yeah, like seeing the uh, the conviction on your face and the age. I was like, I wonder. It's second. I'm like, is he gonna say Goonies? Is he gonna say Goonies? And he did say Goonies. It's like it's like number two after the Goonies. Easily. Oh wow! Easily. I can totally see that. Like yeah, after so, having watched it. Um, but yeah, let's piss and then we'll come back and then we'll talk about Explorers. All right. All right. Awesome.
what did you do to that poor beer? Uh, I know. I was just going to say, look at the head on this bad boy. <laughs> I poured it with no angle whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of head. Oh, yeah. Fall break right there. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. Thank God for live. Yeah. So, so you don't do you get flu shots? Yeah, I got one. D- d- have they ever made you sick? No. They ha- I've gotten two, and they both have, and this has been much worse than before. That's. Uh, that's and they so tell weird. you, like the lady told me, she's like, you know, people think they can make you sick, and they don't. And here's why. And she's like, you'll feel these, you might feel these symptoms. So that's what I've been thinking. It's like, well, I'm not actually sick, sick. I have the symptoms, but you know, they've been as much if not more problematic than any kind of real sickness would be and it's there's no coincidence like it happened immediately like that day let me be fair though i i always have some form of congestion either in my chest oh yeah or in my nose allergies from smoking for 20 plus years yeah you know like I always have some kind of congestion. So it really, I really have to really get sick to f- be like, whoa, I'm sick, you know? Yeah. And, and it's a different feeling, but like, you know, if it's just symptoms, I'm not going to probably notice if I'm like congested or if I feel short of breath because I'm congested in my chest or what have you, you know? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense, and I'm very fortunate to be very sort of, in, at least in terms of that, very, very healthy most of the time. I would so I, thing I'm make, not. I I'm not trying to change the subject again, but if you can find this Mad Elf, like seriously, check it out. It's so good. I'm gonna be looking for it because I like the sound of that. <laughs> it's a bummer because I I love. I mean, it's not just the buzz you get from those high alcohol content. They're also off very often. Good, so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I'm going to tell you, though, the last couple times that I've had Christmas sale, Great Lakes Christmas sale, I did not like it. It's also not the same. Like, they changed it. I think they had their brewer, or I don't know what you call it, uh, so many years ago, went to a different, like, left. And so it actually changed a little bit. I remember, like, I didn't care for it. Then one year I had it and thought it was the best thing ever. And then probably no years lived up to that year. But I still like it. Now, but here's what I will tell you. is because somebody told me that if you can if you can resist drinking it and letting it sit in your fridge in a bottle until the next christmas season yeah. it will change your life and i had one christmas ale that did that like really yeah i think and, i tried it once and i didn't experience well i mean i always kind of like it so <laughs> and do like it, it was monumentally better like i could not huh. It's weird how that happens, but this, yeah, this is fucking good. Like, oh, I'm excited to try it. I'm really impressed with this, and and it says huh. right on the label once a year. Like they only do this once a year. Like, oh, I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah. So this in boom sauce. If you can find boom sauce, boom check sauce. It out. Yeah. Yeah. I like the sound of this. Yeah. The my um, I, I took me a long time to catch on to this, but my birthday is literally Christmas in July. You know, July twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I should try at least at least the kind of half year version of that other 
uh, Christmas ale tradition. Well, okay, um, so let's do it. So, uh, arguably, or I don't know who's arguing, but the last episode, fifty-seven of Long Walk Short Drink, was definitely Long Walk Short Drink remembers the crow. <laughs> uh, we talked a lot about Blair Witch, and now we're going to talk about Palmer's number two. I don't know what you call it, like number two what? Uh, favorite film. <laughs> favorite, like favorite film. So not just childhood, but like actual favorite. Uh, well. I had I, I, maybe in the it. genre of kid <laughs> adventure movies, this would yeah. be number two. I don't know if this but would for be you, to, but like Go- Goonies, Goonies is actually is your favorite, favorite, favorite film. movie ever. Yeah, and you like, mentioned it in the same breath earlier. <laughs> so yeah, that says um, something. At least in so, terms of how much you you enjoyed it growing up. So, well, first off, so um, I I feel like up to this point, there has been a little bit of a disparity in the fact of. You definitely like to have physical media in yes. your hands. And your argument, which is is justified, is because they could take that away at any point in time. Yeah, and so a, I just like to know that yeah. if I want to watch this thing, I can. And it's not up to some CEO deciding that, yeah. right? Or, or even or, at, a, at a micro level, like myself as a, as a person who creates things and puts them on the internet like we talked about earlier like i'll, I'll just take things away where i'm just like i don't want yeah. that to be around yeah it's my heart to have it out there <laughs> and so and i'll just so, take it back um when when we first started the long walk short drink remembers we did the first one of these was pet cemetery not pet cemetery jesus my pet monster yeah and monster squad right yes, sir and so this one kind of turned into blair witch project and explorers. I'm glad about that. That's yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, and so, uh, when when that started, I felt like for years it was on Netflix, and then it left Netflix. Explorers left Netflix, and was on Amazon Prime for like years, right? And so we finally decided, hey, next episode, let's get Explorers out of the way. Not on Netflix, not on Amazon Prime. Do you know where it's on? Mm-mm. Stars. So you could sign up for a Stars trial. Oh, that makes sense as to how I was able to see it. I bet those those three channels that I get where I live, something, something retro, something, something Indian, something, something multiplex, are these magical oh, yeah, channels that show the most bizarre collection of movies that often resonate with things that I'd like to see. This was on there months ago when we were talking about it. So I set a recording for it. And but they have commercials that no commercials during the movies, but in between the only commercials they have are for stars. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Oh, okay. So, so um, that's where I watched it on this retro or whatever. Now show. I could have rented it uh I on like uh YouTube or Google Prime, I could have rented it. Um, but I told Ash, I was like, you know, it is a, the first time I saw this movie, like my parents divorced in the eighties and then got back together after my dad got out of jail, uh, until I graduated high school. And then that's when he left to like marry my stepmom. Uh, but that first time that they had divorced before he went to jail, I, on a a weekend visit with him, and I was young, like five, 
like four or five, probably. Oh, wow. Well, this was 1985, so I would have had to have been five. Um, I went with him to his girlfriend's <laughs> in New York. He had a girlfriend in New York <laughs> State, and she lived in a trailer. And I remember that visit, he bought a pizza that seemed like, I, I mean, as a, as a six-year-old, five or six-year-old, the pizza seemed like it was as big as the kitchen table. It was just gigantic, <laughs> like this oh, huge man. pizza. Um, and he, I'm and, very on board for this story already. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I rented this movie called Explorers, and it's about kids that build a spaceship, right? And and so now I uh, on my notes here that I have for it. Let me bring that up. I have this. this uh, can you see the box art there? Oh yeah, kind of. Oh, and actually that rings a bell slightly just from. That's video the stores growing it's up. got a picture of Thunder Road. Is like in the prom. Is like in <laughs> yeah. like. And then it's them inside Thunder Road, like in the little prism underneath that. That yeah. I mean, that cover That's art, spaceship. yeah, is so. It, it, talk about VHS box art, like that has such an imprint to me. But he had rented this on VHS, and so at that point in my life, like my father was like, you know, he like any kid, I any boy who's five years old and knows their father like their father's like a superhero right like they're just this, this, this like a crazy prominent figure in their life and my parents were going through a divorce so i only saw him like every so often and then he he shows me this movie that just spoke to me it just like struck a chord to me so all of those things combined that's why it's this so nostalgic for me you know, like that to that first viewing of it, like laying on this random woman's floor in a trailer after with a belly full of pizza because it was as big as a table and watching these kids like Can't make stop a thinking about that part. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> That's and watch, any movie that follows that has got a good chance. <laughs> and like watching these kids make a space kids. I yeah. wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to go to space. Really? Yeah, like that was Did like you see Space Camp before or after uh, this? Oh, after, uh, after. Sounds this. like after. With, Way yeah, after. It come out after. With Leah Tioni's like panty scene. Leah Thompson, yeah. Leah Her Thompson, and Kelly yeah. Preston in and their Kelly t-shirt Preston. panties. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go again yeah. <laughs> from before. <laughs> I gotta dump, guys. I gotta yeah. take it. <laughs> Is that a Marv quote or no, is a Marv Logan, voice? Logan quote. A Logan quote. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta take a dump, guys. <laughs> oh, and any anytime, anytime anything remotely sexy would come on, they're gonna be like, "Oh man, I gotta go take a dump." Was that a knowing joke, or that was like an actual? Well, and like it happened. I think himself. maybe once. Maybe I mean, because you know how we are, we blow everything out of proportion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so oh like, and I'm God. sure it was just a coincidence the one time that it happened, but there was like tits on the screen. And right after that, it was like Logan was like, "I gotta go take a dump," and we were like, "Oh, we know what you're doing." So like, then anytime like Marv, Logan, and I, anytime there would be anything remotely sexy, one of us would be like, "Oh man, I gotta go take a dump, guys!" Like, 
And that was a euphemism like, man, I got to go stroke it because oh, that just turned me on. That's hilarious. That makes me want to get him on mic all the more. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Come so on. Okay. Oh, give us a little, just in case people haven't seen Explorers or whatever. I mean, we presume Blair Witch, with I think, is fine. But this seems a little less but, ubiquitous. But I, like, I used to, I remember, I hadn't, I saw that with my dad. And then I went so long before I got to see it again. Because remember me talking about my cousin who had, yeah, she was an the, adult collection. Cousin, in a collection of VHS, and she said, "You always only ever wanted my pet monster and explorers. That's yeah. all you wanted to borrow, because she had a VHS copy of this." And I remember all those years in between those two things, because like her copy was like the next time I got to see this movie, I would draw Thunder Road all the time. I would draw their spaceship wow. all the time, like, and just like. Like you would draw pictures of Frankenstein, I was drawing yeah. pictures of Thunder Road. You the know, Hulk. Like, yeah. And the Hulk, Fun like. Funnily enough, you can't see this, but I realized when I went to the bathroom, I got this purple sweatshirt on, the Dustin sweatshirt, and my pants are green, <laughs> so I'm like a reverse. Oh, Hulk. <laughs> yeah. All anyway, right. So, but so you um, used to draw Thunder Road, which is their spaceship, and yeah. What, what was so, the what was the the time in between seeing it with as a kid, 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 like the with giant pizza, and then the with the the adult cousin like how old were you when you were Maybe getting it from like, her i i mean i would say when like four or five years oh you know? okay yeah yeah okay and um, then at that point you could see it on a much more regular basis and it, it had these yeah. fond memories attached to it and I, I know they're in middle school in the movie but it, it feels younger to me somehow like it, they felt younger to me than middle school but uh they i don't know i because i like i was thinking of that when i was watching it last night like the, a lot of things in this movie set a precedence for my anticipation of being going to like big kid school right oh that makes sense so yeah. like bullies and, and and like getting into fights and uh teachers saying your grade as they're passing out oh. your, like the tests you know yeah. and like getting randomly called on and in sleeping in class that like the idea of that like totally blew my mind uh did we talk about on this show uh, something i've been thinking about a lot recently about being who you are by the age of four or no that didn't come up i've heard that at various times i heard again recently and i was thinking about it in various contexts and it makes a lot of sense there's a certain i mean i can't cite any of it whatever but there's research suggesting that we are as human beings who are going to be by age four and, and unless you encounter serious trauma or whatever in your life, like the, the way that you move through the world, the way that you react to things, all of that is, is set by that age. Wow. And so with you talking about, uh, being five and then, then like anticipating all these things, it makes a lot, a lot of sense in terms of it being so yeah. formative. Like, I mean the, my favorite movies, none of them that we've talked about go back to age four five except for maybe star wars <laughs> yeah that's really well early. and and i mean it's you know you're looking at it and i i liked i knew i was ready for school i was really excited for school i remember that um and there's there's a, a good portion of this movie like school things happen in it you know uh, 
Yeah. So let me give a synopsis. Let's yeah. let's let's do that. Oh yeah, read uh, it from the DVD box because that's part of it, right? You had to. Why oh you yeah. Have the so DVD? Like, <laughs> so I called. This this comes to my rant of like so like I could not find it digitally, unless I was going to spend enough that I could just buy it right. But by that oh, point, for a subscription, yeah, I could have bought it used on Amazon, but it wouldn't have been here in time. Uh, um, so the, this has not been put out on Blu-ray. Like Joe Dante, who is the director of this movie, who he also directed Gremlins. I just um, looked. This is his follow-up. This is the like next year or whatever. This yeah, is his next um, movie after Gremlins. This Inner has space. never been put out on Blu-ray. <laughs> Inner Space, like that's a, that could be another long walk short drink. Remembers that's uh, a big one for the bride. When I went to oh. the the page for Explorers, the first thing that comes up as in more like this is uh, Flight of the Navigator, which we yep. almost paired this with. Yeah, Flight of the Navigator. The, all of these, uh, Daryl. Let me go back on the trivia. Flight of the Navigator, Daryl, Batteries Not Included, both short circuit movies, and Harry and the Hendersons. Like I could do, I could do a long walk short drink on every one of those movies. Yeah, that'd be fun. A lot. Most yeah. of those are not terribly familiar to me. I am vaguely familiar with Harry and the Hendersons and sort of short circuit. Um. So, well, I mean, you were more action and horror, and I was more yeah, science like, fiction and fantasy. <laughs> horror like, from the 30s. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't watching that shit. I, 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 was, I guess I was watching horror movies from the 80s. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm so, catching up on those now. All right, I'll read the, the back of this. So, the visionary dreams of three curious and adventuresome young boys become an exciting reality in Explorers. The action fantasy from acclaimed director Joe Dante gremlins who combines keen humor warmth and fantasy with unexpected twists in their makeshift laboratory <laughs> the boys use uh, an amazing discovery in their ingenuity to build their own spaceship and launch themselves on a fantastic interplanetary journey a galaxy of adventure for the whole family starring young river phoenix stand by me and sneakers and ethan hawk Training day and reality bites. <laughs> and this poor third kid that nobody knows. Uh, it so that I, I don't know, that's not as good. I don't know. These kids, the, I mean, have, having just seen it for the first time, that that seems okay. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> these, terms of like these, these kids, it starts with Ethan Hawk, like the Ethan Hawk. <laughs> the Ethan Hawk. I mean, he's a prominent actor. No, I'll take that. I really like him. I have this very, you know, a lot of things that I like are some reflection of myself. But for some reason to me, he is someone I like who seems to be, there's no, there's no, um, I shouldn't say, it sounds awful, but there's far less of like the aspirational me and more yeah. of like the reality of me that can be frustrating to myself. But uh, he, I've, he's always struck me as a guy that wrestles with that himself. I don't know. I I really appreciate him as a as a creative person. So but I, I, he, I, he frustrates I mean, me. But seeing him as a kid, which I never had, I didn't realize yeah. he acted at this young age. I was well. He made so this, and then he wasn't him. in anything until 
Dead Poets Society. Oh, really? Holy shit. He was so naturalistic in this. Like, I couldn't get over how he just seemed like a kid to me. In like, he didn't trivia, seem like, like a, he was putting uh, on... I don't know. Like, I, I was really caught off guard to where it just seemed... So there's a, there's a couple know. of, like, I, I different it. stories about it. But basically, the cons- the continuity is he auditioned on a lark. Like... Oh, really? The, the one version of the story is he went there to support a friend who was auditioning for the movie. Oh, and Joe Dante <laughs> saw him and really liked him, like really liked his look. I, I guess we should go with this version because it's it was from an interview that Joe Dante gave. But he said, I thought he was cute. He looked like a, <laughs> he looked like the kid that I was trying to cast. Yeah. And everybody was like, are you? kidding me he's never been in anything but he's like i gave him pages and said just try these and he read oh, them and he like yeah. nailed it like he was magic in that movie i mean i like, like him anyway so but he his, was my favorite part of it so the the scene where he's like he's trying to explain carbon to not dioxide right and he's like well that's what you'd breathe on mars <laughs> and uh uh he starts giving a bunch of mars facts like nothing about carbon dioxide but then he stops and he like He like gives these like shoulder twitches. Yeah, which you could totally see him doing like yeah, in reality bites or even yeah. now as an older man. And it, he just like it's just so natural and just like Yeah. That's the greatest that's a perfect word for it. Yeah, he's so yeah. natural. And movie. and just like and in the like when he's really like Wolfgang doesn't want it like he's like he's like, Don't you just want to know what's out there or don't yeah. you know like He's so passionate. He's such a serious young man, you know. Yeah, like, like, um, oh man. And when he like says goodbye to his mom, it feels like he's saying goodbye forever. Uh, yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, well, you told me, like, he's like, if if I really wanted to be an astronaut, like, it would be okay if I did that, right? Well, of course, you know. And he's he's writing his will, like, while he does, like, <laughs> right before that, you know, yeah, like, yeah, um. And the River Phoenix character, like when they get it all up in the air and all that, and they come back down, and he's like the scientist in some way. Uh, well, really, like he's the one him and his dad make it happen. Uh, but then, I'm sorry, I don't know the character's name, but the Ethan Hawke character is just like, oh my god, we got to go up there and do it again. And the yeah. River Phoenix is like, are you crazy? Like we barely made it out alive. He's like, but don't you understand? Like <laughs> he's yeah. like the Victor Frankenstein of the bunch. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's so convincing. All actually, all three of those kids, like, yeah, were really giving they're all River, terrific. Like like Ethan Hawke, like all the credit, but like all of them, even the kid that plays Darren. Um, yeah, which well, he, I, I need to get. I need to familiar look up his name. to me. Um, he did Gremlins up. two. That's the other thing oh, I know I him from. Uh, River Jason Presson. Uh, if I look at his filmography, he was... Oh, I don't recognize much of this. The last thing he was in was Trials of Life in 1997. Huh. So, wonderful he, he was quite good, too. He reminded me like of the Rudy character in, in, in uh, Monster Squad. There was a lot of... There was a lot Rudy! of vibe in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, w- I most responded to the first half of it, where they were... Once they got... Like to the aliens, I, I, I think I sort of checked out a little bit. But up until then, the stuff with the kids, like in in middle school and and making the thing, I was I was, I was right there. And 
it was funny like the the bully stuff yeah, a lot of it resonated with all of that '80s movie. The bully, stuff. the girl crush, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, the like making oh, randomly man. making friends, like it's like how yeah, he like, like becomes people, friends with Darren. Yeah, is who, it, like who stuck so up random. for him and saved him from the yeah. bully, just like Rudy did. Yeah, and for, like uh, like Eugene. I just because I did Not you Eugene, a favor, didn't so. think you were gonna bug me for the rest of my life because yeah. of it. You know, and like right, but then he goes home with him. I was surprised at that beat where he goes home with. He he follows him home actually to give him that thing back that he dropped. The so it wasn't really yeah. The gigantic Walkman, the <laughs> Walkman that's like this big. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like he was actually um giving him undue attention or something. He was trying to give him something back. Yeah, but he followed him home and like in the mid eighties, I didn't necessarily realize that that, that whole thing of divorce because that became rather common in American sure. life, but I, mean, I that was a trope. You, you couldn't even say common. It's a trope of the eighties. Like. I guess maybe that was earlier than I realized it to become. <laughs> no, you're, you know, you're right. I guess it's just because of the way I grew up and that my parents are even still together. But the, if you, if I think about monster squad, that was a big kind of serious part of that movie, like two years later, but they're it, debating it divorce, me. right? In monster yeah. squad. Yeah, but it, like then you think of ET, e. e. like oh, like right. even Steven Spielberg says like ET is about divorce, like it's a movie about divorce. Right, right, yeah. Um, no. And then you have um, Kramer versus Kramer. That's another one, like a like that's a drama that's about yeah. divorce. I never actually saw that. I guess you're right. That all hit much earlier. I was just sort of oblivious to it because of I have a theory situation. that that the the the. the that divorce becoming a trope in the eighties is a response to the feminism of the seventies. Um, like you want to be a feminist. This is what you get, like being a single mother and like having to raise kids oh. by yourself. Like that's, that's what you get, you know? <laughs> yeah. As, the, uh, as what though? Like the dudes go off to just like fuck younger women, <laughs> whatever, you know, like, <laughs> um, so I never thought of that, hmm. but, uh, let me look at some of my notes here that I have. Uh, I know we were talking about versions, um, not not on this episode, but prior. So I did make note of the one that I was able to tape off television was 109 minutes. I don't know if that resonated with you. Cause I can tell you there's so there's only two versions of this film that exist. There's the ori- original theatrical cut, which this DVD is. Okay. But it has the additional scenes Oh Jesus! Sorry, that's all right. Double deal, love it. That are in the um, extended version, which is probably what you saw. Oh. So I, uh, um, is there a scene in your version when they find the tilt a whirl cart and they're it like takes off down a hill and they're like yeah. running after yes. it and then like yeah, I and then that. early earlier in the movie, is there a scene where? Prior to the fight that uh, Ben gets in, where Wolfgang gets like tormented by the bullies and they like rip the pocket of his pants out. Yeah, that was that upset me. Intense, yeah. like this. Yes. <laughs> so those those two scenes, the tilt world running away and the bully scene with Wolfgang, are like the only extra scenes that exist for this movie. Um, this movie. Joe Dante wow. really like kind of he almost like I, I I shouldn't say he almost tried to, but I think if he could he would Alan Smithy this movie he does not really? 
Um, so Joe Dante got a lot of credibility from Gremlins. That was a huge success, right? Yeah. And uh, Steven Spielberg executive produced uh, Gremlins. He also executive produced this. Um, if you see some of the early stuff, it says like Steven Spielberg presents Explorers, which is like him executive producing Joe Dante directing this. This was his follow-up to Gremlins, which was a gigantic success commercially and critically. But Paramount, Michael Eisner, and somebody else left Paramount for Disney in amidst Explorers being made. And they put the movie on hi- the, the post-production on hiatus, uh. told Joe Dante just, like, take a break on it. And then came back to him and said, we're just releasing it as it is. It, he considers it is considered to be an unfinished film. Oh, like he man. Had, I don't get that at all from watching yeah, it. Wow. Yeah. yeah he, but he's like, there is so much more that I want. He does not consider this at all to be what he intended the movie to be. Huh. Um, he accepts the fact that there is a cult following for the film and people who really like consider it to be an important part of their childhood. But to him, it is not his movie. He, it's not what he intended it to be. He was essentially forced out of it. Um, oh, wow. I can't, I, I can't I'm, imagine I'm, that like that opening, the, the, the dream sequences that are over the circuit boards where the yeah, aliens that, are like... It's like Tron-like. <laughs> so this That's is the first movie that Industrial Light and Magic did with at like with the studio, like the, where they were commissioned oh, they to, were, do, oh, really? to do special effects. That definitely like, caught my attention when it said whatever yeah. their credit was. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and so... Um, but those like that's what got me excited to take stuff apart and like do electronics and like like to see those circuit boards i can i can remember being a kid and like being able to connect like the things that i saw in that movie to actually on a circuit board you know and like wow and their their computer jargon for the 80s is like actually kind of accurate and and uh man just so good and i i'm interested to to think about when i hear about the other things that joe dante was intending to do and explore in the movie no pun intended (laughs) um if i would like it as much um yeah that is tricky those kinds of things like the dick the dick miller stuff the guy uh he's the the helicopter pilot who's like i swallowed my gum like yeah i like that who's also in gremlins he's also in gremlins too he looks familiar there was a minute where i was like is there some kind of time warp thing where the ethan hawk character is actually this dude as a kid (laughs) for a moment that occurred to me well he says he's like i haven't had dreams like this since i was a kid right And, and so um there was this subplot that they were going to explore where like that all things are connected and all living things share some kind of consciousness together. And so he would have shared this like psychic connection with these kids. I, I, so I agree with you, the alien stuff, the movie kind of falls apart when the aliens, when they finally get to the aliens. And I think Ethan Hawke's character, Ben 
is a great representation of that because he's just like disappointed the whole time. Oh. He's like, this is not what I fucking expected. <laughs> like, like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's like he's kind of us and through all. Yeah. The, it's so I wasn't mad. Like I like those kids and stuff and I was multitasking and I was like, all right, well now there's, I was intrigued at the same time because it was oddly transgressive and had this kind of, it seemed to be some sort of social commentary at that moment on how the aliens viewed American culture at that time. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I was a little, like, I was both intrigued by it, but I was like, this part's not for me as much as the, the first half was. I don't, I definitely liked it. Like coming to it as an older, the whole adult. thing comes around for me because it's like, you're right. It is. Did you like that as a kid though? I could imagine that um, as a five-year-old, especially, or a little like the, that whole I, alien. Well, I mean, it's really all fun. cartoony at that point. for a five-year-old. Of course it's appealing because he like, yeah. the first thing he says is like, man, what's up doc? You know, like cartoons. Yeah. And he's got all his voices and then and, they have the so, sort of Buck Rogers. Like, as a grown up, you look at it and you're like, it's very off-putting. I, I hate the like music interlude where he's like all around the world. Like I love oh, yeah. that song, <laughs> but it's like so weird how it's fit in there. But then like to see like Wolfgang's like he like this is how they think we talk, you know like because and if you think of that like media is like what we put out, you know like as representations of ourselves. Yeah, I'm suddenly excited for the remake. <laughs> that's all aliens are gonna be is that media you know so they would think that's all us i remember it did impact me even as a kid where they were like at first they're like well the reason we don't come is because of germs right like you know germs that cause bad breath and diarrhea (laughs) and uh, (laughs) um but then they're like, besides, we know how you treat people like us or treat things oh, like us. Yeah. And they show that whole, it's so like, it's so somber. Like the, the whole montage of all those movies showing them like killing monsters and aliens, you know, yeah. um, there's like that scene from, uh, oh shit. The day the earth stands, stood still where the army like attacks the alien and kills him. And, uh, and that's the response, like their response to that. And if you know, those classic sci-fi movies, they're really smart how they use them. Like, cause the, the movie he's watching in the opening credits when he wakes up and he first draws the circuit board is war of the worlds. And they talk. Mm. And if you hear in the background, they're talking about how, the Martians die because of the germs in uh, in the Earth's atmosphere, oh. and then that's like foreshadowing to when yeah. Whack like talks about that's why we don't come to Earth is because of the germs that disinfect us, right? And so, uh, but that montage, I remember being as a kid like so sad, like yeah, that is how we would like it does like it, even to a five year old. It's like, yeah, that's how we would treat aliens, yeah. you know. I think that's um, what that, that's what it's interesting to me to hear this now and in the in this longer, bigger discussion because it's a lot of what resonated for me about Frankenstein. Sure. Like the bride asked me, "Is like, what do you like about this?" And I was like, "Well, the, the the main thing that comes to mind is like, I'm I relate hardcore to both characters. 
I relate to the obsessive person trying to achieve something and create something out of nothing, doing it at all costs. And I relate to the outcast created thing that doesn't belong. But and when I saw those, some of those, uh, these three theatrical um, representations, some of it is just talking about it, those, they play off your knowledge potential knowledge of the cultural phenomenon or whatever, or, or of the, of the, of the events of the novel. And there's this one thing, like the main thing that happens like to the creature that really is his fall from grace, if you could call it that or whatever. Um, you know, he, he learns all that he knows about mankind from these books and this, this cottage, cottage full of uh, a blind man and his son and the son's wife. But he, he has a lot of, so he he tries to appeal to the blind man who can't see how deformed he is, uh, and and then um, when and then then they strike up kind of a friendship and then when the son and sees him they're like horrified by him, and yeah, then, and then that that's it that's that's the turning point to where this thing the the creature is hell bent on revenge instead of anything else instead of but um so I, I mentioned for that. Me, Nate? revenge for being like turned on by mankind for what he he looks like for being different so like the so the the aliens being like this is how we're treated so like the creature then knows and he proceeds to become as the um, we all call him the monster because of how that that betrayal happens and and so one of the adaptations they just gloss over it like as as the creature is telling victor about it uh and he's, he's like, well, what happened? And the creature's like, you know what happened. <laughs> because, of course, that's what will happen to, to someone who right. is different, to, to the right. aliens or, or the other. Right. And uh, you have all the sympathy in the world for him. And Well, and, and, and so, like, you have that end of it. And I remember as a kid watching when the epiphany comes that there are kids and there's a, a, a dad like the dad is the big alien that comes like that they call space pirates, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, better than flesh pirates. Yeah, yeah. But he's like space pirates, but really you find out like Darren pieces it together. He's like that's their dad. And they stole their dad's car to come <laughs> yeah. connect with these other kids. Yeah. Um and that really resonated with me in some way. So like uh do you remember at the drive-in they they have that like cheesy sci-fi movie playing at the drive-in. Yeah, with those the the sound is a little off and stuff. Yeah, so the guy Star Killer. Star Killer, like yeah, what, wasn't that the initial name of Luke Skywalker? It was Luke, uh, Luke yeah. Star Killer. Yeah, I love um, stuff like that, and then the Thunder Road and all that. Thunder Road. Fun. There's a uh, Rosebud. The sled is in the junkyard when they find. The, oh, I missed like, that. Uh, but anyways, the guy that plays that plays star killer in that cheesy movie that's on the thing is the same guy that plays whack. I saw that in the credits. Yeah. And the I, same I guy that plays whack is also the dad, the dad alien, oh, like the big alien. Nice. So he nice. plays whack and his, is so, um, I don't know. Let me, let me go down. Let me just like, yeah, just, just rock like, your notes. Rapid, yeah. rapid fire through these notes. So, uh, Steve Jackson's a jerk. <laughs> That's one of my main notes. Steve that Jackson is that. a jerk. I love that, uh, that refrain. I, I love the computer 
animated effects. Like for some reason, I like these. Like they look terrible, but I like those CGI much they, more. They than look like Tron to me. Yeah, which, which I probably came to Tron at the same age, so I have I have um, every affection for that. I already talked about how I got in. Or this is like helped with my early connection to electronics. I've always. This is something that happens even in Stranger Things. This is there. I always wanted a friend that had a walkie-talkie, and I had a walkie-talkie. That you I could wa- just you wanted that at that age? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, nice. man, walkie-talkie. But yeah. then, like, anytime I had walkie-talkies, they never had a range that you could just, like, give to somebody across no. town. Yeah. And then I was – and then I always was like, how do the batteries – because you have to keep it on all the time. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. so – I just remember in one of Jacko and I's first uh, endeavors of making movies, uh, I don't know what we were using. <laughs> we were pretending something to be a walkie-talkie. And we at yeah. that point, we lived like a block away from each other, which was convenient, but probably still wouldn't have worked. Yeah, that's charming. I had a walkie-talkie as an adult on a job. I didn't like it. <laughs> but as a walkie-talkie to your buddy, that'd be amazing. Um, I think the soundtrack and the score to this is amazing. Oh yeah, I think I took note of that too. Who, who did that? I'm gonna find out. Uh, us. the the montage song, the like, dun 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 dun. Oh, I mean, it's so industrial and so good. This boy needs. And when I go to soundtracks on IMDb, the first thing it says is, "This boy needs to rock." <laughs> by Jack Blades and Brad Gills, all performed by Night Ranger. Th- that's the most '80s like sentence <laughs> you could ever say. <laughs> I think I have a note on here where he's like, he's like, uh, uh, it's uh, '80s music. It's cool. It's that's true. what he says when he's like, when he's telling Wax because Wax like right. listens to the headphones. And he's like, it's '80s music. It's cool. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Then it's true now. Um. I love this line. If I had a name like Wolfgang, I think I'd kill myself. Uh, Whoa, I that's love a the wicked name. <laughs> I love the geek pastry joke. He's like, this is Greek pastry. He's like geek pastry. Um, so Dana Ivy and James Cromwell, who oh, are the par- Wolfgang's par- parents. I was trying to place him without. They looking are. I tell you what, yeah. they are like the hidden gems of this movie. They're yeah. just like so awesome. And the bug bomb joke where he's like, have you seen the bug bomb? And like, I think there might be some bug bomb over there. And like, <laughs> and then the payoff is after they like smash up the drive-in that he's like eating breakfast and like trying to like not look guilty. And his father's <laughs> like, oh, I found the bug bomb. And the mother's like, where was it? He's like, uh, where was it? Where was the bug bomb? <laughs> it's the bathroom. And like, <laughs> what's so funny too that they have such he has such such a thick accent, and and uh, River Phoenix does not. <laughs> um, I wanted to be all three kids, and, and I think that's yeah. like the whole purpose of the three kids is like they're all three aspects of the same kind of kid. Where like one's a hard ass, one's like really smart, and one of them is the dreamer. You know, that's interesting because sometimes I guess when I think of that sort of thing, it's like, which of the kids do you identify with? I like that idea a lot that you wanted to be all three. That's cool. Um, uh, where he's like, this is a vector graphic of the basement uh, of the basement. He's like, so you mean a drawing? 
<laughs> yes, but in technical terms, it's a vector graphic. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is actually really interesting what you said about the three kids, especially the two of them, especially uh, River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke's character are often the same in a lot of movies. Like they would be the one yeah. with a lot of the technical knowledge. And, what, and, the and what's funny was, uh, I guess River Phoenix, and this is just a sign of the times. River Phoenix really had a hard time being the nerdy kid or the geek. Oh, like uh, it was a bad thing for him. Yeah. Oh, like he hated the idea that he was. He had originally auditioned for Darren's character, the like oh. the like salt of the earth character, the like yeah, oh you really. Know, the hard ass and huh. uh they gave him wolfgang and uh i guess to the point like in this interview i read with joe dante that if any girls would come by he would oh, like sure. whip the glasses off his face because he didn't yeah. want he didn't want people to think he was a nerd for real well, well i mean if you think about it in terms of like the way that we view whatever is viewed as attractive like river phoenix grew up to be the most sort of like GQ looking motherfucker sure, of the bunch. Sure. What uh, what's funny to me is before this, my sense of this movie only came from this thing that was on Ethan Hawke's Inside the Actor Studio. Uh, what? Which, Tell me about that, please. Well, god, someday I hope they I know when they made those Inside the Actor Studios, they were talking that it would be this like archive, but they've done fuck all with it. <laughs> And yeah. sir, but I hope someday they will because it, they're very interesting conversations with people about creativity. We et have ten but, minutes, by the way, and then I have to oh, do sure. a hard stop. No, that's okay. I uh, I mean I I definitely spoke to most of what I was thinking, and this was in the back of my mind. And I don't have the story super well, so I'm sorry. But but it was something to do because but you know River Phoenix died young, and uh, he was in the Twenty Seven Club. Yeah, Johnny Depp's club and the same year uh, Brandon Lee died and all of that. Um, but uh, so Ethan Hawke. No, he's in the like. The, there's like that's a, a Hollywood oh, urban legend. He was 27 years a old. Bunch of, sorry. Yeah, a bunch of people die. Uh, sorry, uh, it's a Viper Club. Viper Room was what I was thinking of. He yeah. died just outside of that that club that was owned by Johnny Depp. Uh, with a heroin overdose, right? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really never saw any of his movies and didn't have a personal fondness for him. You're about to watch uh, Stand by Me when you get to different seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and this certainly endeared him to me. But I had this thing in the back of my head that I saw Ethan Hawke on uh, inside the actor studio. I don't remember what year, but he was talking about you know that movie experience in the press or whatever, and then. I, I wish I remembered the book. It was some, I want to say it's Lord of the Flies, which would be a, and it might be true actually. It might be Lord of the Flies, and that'd be fun with the Castle Rocket and everything. But um, that's one of Stephen King's favorite books. Yeah, might that's where be, Castle Rock came from. Might be his favorite book. Uh, yeah, and I, and I don't know it. I don't claim to know that book. I know of it. I've never, yeah. I never experienced it, but I know that's where I know Castle the movie Rock with from. Jeff Bridges. But that's it. The one from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, it? yeah. I remember that being a thing, but I never saw it. Uh, but so Ethan Hawke was talking about doing press for probably Explorers. And yeah, he was Jeff talking Bridge, By the way, I'm going to just do a nerd. Jeff Bridges. I'm thinking of White Squall. But Jeff oh. Bridges. There was a Lord of the Flies movie, though, that came out in the 90s or late 80s. And I remember I saw that. I'm. 
You know what's bizarre? I'm equally familiar with both movies, not from having seen them, not even from video boxes, but from that catalog <laughs> of movie posters that I've mentioned yeah. in a couple episodes. Um, Cinema City, maybe? I don't remember. But So anyway, this, this story, he was Ethan Hawke was talking about the, the press experience, and he, w- he had been reading, I'm going to say it's The Lord of the Flies. Maybe true, maybe not. But it was some sort of literary thing that would make make a kid sound smart to be talking yeah. about. And uh, he had read it and River Phoenix had not, but he heard River Phoenix and all these interviews talking about this thing that basically Ethan Hawke had told him about. So he was talking about it kind of faux area like he was the smart one <laughs> and and it was really hard for ethan hawk i guess oh. and that's where i wor- learned the word apoplectic because <laughs> he was talking about he's like i'm seeing these interviews with him and river is like talking about like oh and i read the, the lord of the flies he's just like i'm just like apoplectic it's like ah <laughs> that's so, so funny because um Joe Dante with the glasses thing where he's like, he wants to be cool. Right. Well, another, so there's this like, un. I, I, I didn't know about it until my research with this. So Lori Swinson, who is the, like the crush of Ben, right. Mm -hmm. Um, she's played by the only other thing I've seen this girl in is can't buy me love. And in 2015, she died of an overdose, actually. Oh. Um, I remember Can't Buy Me Love by a video box. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke had a kind of a rivalry behind the scenes trying to win this girl's affection. Oh, that's easy to understand. Yeah. That was one of the the things about the movie, too, I wrote down. It's like kids walking to school peeping in on girls' windows. Oh, yeah. Bad their asses like, kicked, like, standing up to bullies. Like, like so all they that get was the, happening. They get this alien technology, and the first thing they do is commit a felony. Like... <laughs> As you do. As you do. <laughs> um, I I love all the, like, the the, the nods to, to, like, pop culture. There's, like, the flashlight lightsaber. There's the rosebud sled. I there think is, I missed both of those things, actually. That's awesome. Uh, the lightsaber, he puts the gas mask on. He's like, psh, psh, and that's all he does with a flashlight. Oh. Um, that's his second nature to me, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I um, yeah, like I said, I, I sort of checked out during some of the alien stuff, though I was, I was fascinated by where they're coming from with it. But the whole, like, kid adventure thing, it was new to me. I was, like, a nearly 40-year-old, and, but... I don't know. It was also somehow it it felt fresh. I was so surprised at how natural the kids were. Yeah, like they, it was really, really refreshing and, and it, just it helped sweet. that the special effects were really well done. I think that like it didn't look cheesy. Like I'm not ripping on it because I mean I had just as much a connection to it as I feel you and Moto did. But like my pet monster was really cheesy. It was oh, obviously yeah. made yeah. for children, right? And made to sell toys. Yeah, and made to sell toys. <laughs> this felt like a family movie. Like like there were there you could make connections. You could you could relate to these characters regardless of your age. And it helped that it was just really well done. I mean, you have Joe Dante, you have <laughs> Incidentally, the only reason I knew a Joe Dante until very, very recently, just knowing that he was a thing, he in 1999 the Universal Monsters were issued on uh, 
DVD and he did like the Wolfman or something. No, I don't remember what movie it was now that I mention it because John Landis did the Wolfman. Anyway, I, that's how I knew him. And so I'm like, I'm in just cause I, I know him from this universal monster business, but I never saw gremlins to like last year or the year before. Oh man. Gremlins is so good. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun. So, so I still haven't seen gremlins too. But gremlins, yeah, two is, to gremlins 2 is a little too meta for me i it's not oh interesting yeah <laughs> okay um <laughs> sorry i hopped in there where are, you, where are you going i don't know i just i love this movie i love everything yeah. about it it's the epitome to me of like a kid's adventure movie they I go to fucking so. space yeah. they go interstellar yep. like they, they <laughs> like leave our solar system and That's join right. up with a bunch of aliens you know like yeah on their um, own sort of smarts and technology, right? Like yeah. It, I, I mean, these aliens go to them in their dreams, show them how to adapt their technology, like our technology, to be able to like get this force field and ultimately oxygen because the second part is like they see the circuit board and it's flashing this thing like, remember this, remember this, remember this. And when they put that in there, it gives them unlimited oxygen. So then they just build this, like, oh, man. And the Thunder Road looks so fucking cool. It's, like, made out of a tilt-a-whirl. <laughs> it's got a little spaceship on the front of it. I Oh, man. The, like, fin wings with lightning bolts on them. <laughs> I love that, too. They acknowledge the Thunder Road being... Like they're naming it after the Bruce Springsteen song, which of course, yeah. like there's a movie called the, uh, like Bruce Springsteen named it after something else, but that was fun to hear. Um, I don't want to leave before you, you you sort of teased on Twitter that you had a, a did you did you kind of ultimately give your rant about well, naming that's the physical? The, movie I mean, yet? you couldn't find it anywhere. How I, did you ultimately like, get it? Like via Amazon? Used, it got or? it got take a, it got taken away from all of those other like streaming platforms that I was taking for granted. It's yeah, a, it's a, like yeah. prime argument that you've made multiple times on I've our just been podcast. fucked by it too many times. <laughs> and so I just assumed I would be able to see it and I couldn't and then I like then I was scrambling I called every used plate every place that sells used DVDs cuz they there's never been a Blu-ray of this. So you in the last time this the copyright on this is 2004. Oh wow. So like I mean like I'm I'm stretching trying to find this, right? Like yeah. the the flight of the navigator you got me is that like on demand printing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, it, yeah, that's not know? even legit. <laughs> and it works. And uh but this is like the 2004. And so I literally just put used movies in Google Maps and started calling down the list of stores that came up in my area. <laughs> and this this like the, it was the last place I called. Um, of course I wouldn't have called anymore because they had it, but it was the last on the list. And I was like, I'm looking for this movie from the eighties. It's like a kid's movie called explorers. Oh, let me check. Yep. We got it. Oh, and like, wow. And so like I, yesterday, so you went to a, you actually drove to like a place. You yeah. Like, it was like, That's it what was you like used to have to do minutes, back in the day. It was 50 minutes from work. I Did told you after, 50 or 15? 15, one five. Oh, okay. And so I told Ash, I was like, we're going to stop there on our way home from work. I drove there. This store is, I have to go back to this store. It's like our kind of store. It's like mm. there were like CDs and DVDs like stacked from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. Uh, it's like stacks. There's no like, 
rhyme or reason of how they're stacked there. <laughs> oh wow! And like action figures and just like all all kinds of crazy, like all kinds of our stuff. And like I like it. And uh, they had it, and so that's so I, fun. That's such a kind of antiquated way of even finding and procuring stuff. Well, and nowadays. I told Ash, I was like, it's it's my second favorite movie. Like we should have it. We should own yeah. a copy of it and be able to watch it anytime we want. So that's my rant. I mean, I totally get it now too. Like having seen it, it's it's a lovely movie. Like with yeah, really heartwarming. Um, you know, premise and performances. Yeah. I'm yeah. so surprised to hear Joe Dante feels as he does about it, but it, it's, it holds up quite well. I love it. I love it. So, all right, let's do the final closing shit and let's get the hell out of here. All right. <laughs> all right. So first off, go see fucking explorers. It's fantastic. Yeah. Call I don't around. care if Ethan Hawke <laughs> or Joe Dante wanted to cut it off. It's fantastic. Just go see it. Um, after you go see explorers, head over to YouTube Search Long Walk Short Drink, subscribe, and ring the bell. Because normally what we do is we will record these live where you can watch them while we're recording them before we put out the actual podcast episodes. Um, also, if you subscribe, that gets us closer to our 100 subscribers so we can get our unique URL. After you go to YouTube, head over to Twitter and search uh, LWSD Pod. Follow us there on Twitter because we put all of the stuff that we talk about as far as like YouTube videos, articles, all that stuff. We'll tweet those out at some point. So be able to get that stuff there. Um, you can head to audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Sign up for your 30-day Audible trial and download your free audiobook on us. Um, you can download the new Michael C. Hall Pet Cemetery. You can download different seasons. You can download, um, I don't know, what's another favorite one? The that we Dead played? Zone. Oh, oh the <laughs> Dead Zone, read by um, uh, James Franco. Franco. James Franco. James Franco. Um, also, head over to uh, twitchtv.com slash R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-A-M, Rocky Mountain A-M, to see Twinkies Twitch stream. Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Mountain Time, that's 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. Central, um, where Twinkie plays classic video games and gives us plenty of hope. Uh, head I like to, that. I like yeah, that a lot. <laughs> head to um, DreamingOutLoudRecords.com. Listen to Family and Friends. Listen to... Cafe Days, Best in Boots, Volume 2. Listen to The Furious Light. Listen to Stargazer 10th Anniversary Expanded Edition. Right. Listen to all that shit on there. Good man. Um, I am fucking Palmer on Long Walk yeah. Short Drink. I love you guys. I love this man that I record with every other week. I love you right back, you yeah. fucking animal. <laughs> fucking God. <laughs> shit. This show... Save my life. You know how Kevin Smith says in a hundred episodes, yeah, gonna tell you that your podcast saved your saved their life. Your podcast, David Allman, <laughs> saved my life. Mine, mine too, sir. Shit. I won't say your full name, but yeah, it, yeah it means the world to me. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Shit.
Shit. Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. As Antonio Bandera says twice in Assassins. Fuck shit, motherfucker. Fuck shit, motherfucker. <laughs> when shit doesn't go his way. This is I say that about shit going our way on this podcast, Long Walk Short Drink. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will catch you on the next episode. When are we recording again? We're not recording next week, right? Not on the 7th? Right. Yeah, we're just like one day off. So the 14th yep. is our next recording, right? Yeah, and then we're working towards 60. Let's get our friend, Let's get our buddies. Yes, so on. Twinkie, Double D, Moto, you're coming get on. Get ready for 60. We're going to come on. We're going to catch up. Twinkie, we want you to plug Rocky Mountain AM yeah. yourself. There's going to be I a wanna... new motor release on Dreaming Out Low Records between now uh, and then. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. All right, buddy. It's been a blast. Absolutely. Yes, thank but you I got to go much. to bed. I'm going to. Yeah, I got to pee. <laughs> You're going to pee. Go freshen up that wife. Yeah, let's see if I can rouse her. Tell her next time she's the flash on the other panel of the slide. Yeah, door. there you go. <laughs> let's see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. Love you. Care. Love you also. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.